They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart? Available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Gods in the sky, open up my third eye. Take a look, it's in the book, the occult book club. They will go anywhere. The text so rare, and knowledge to share with the occult book club. Welcome back to another episode of the Occult Book Club. I'm joined by an American, but not just any American. We are joined by the one and only Homunculus American. Paranoid American. Paranoid, paranoid American. And he's ranting about conspiracies again. He's a paranoid. Paranoid American And he's reading Not cold manuscripts Again Bro Instant classic dude That was the How many How many people have a theme song? Not many And I think that was the, the Probably the best seven dollars You've ever spent in your life Thomas <laughs> Like I'll, I'll have to say that I've, I don't think I've ever spent I, I mean I didn't spend the seven dollars But I don't think I've ever spent seven dollars on something so significant i mean it's you have no idea what i've spent seven dollars on <laughs> i mean it's at the core of our show now bro but yeah i'm here it's been a little bit right but we're back and we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about something that we touched on a year ago thomas i think episode number one we it got tagged on to the very end was it, it was, was it episode it was, number one? yep it was initiates of the flame no, 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 you're, you're, you're thinking wrong, bro. Initiates of the Flame was episode number one. It was straight up Initiates of the Flame. So the Occult Book Club, Lieber Vake. Watch, you're going to you're going to prove yourself wrong. No, bro. So the book, the Occult Book Club was number three, the Lieber Vake. And share my screen here real quick. 
Right here, bro. Come on. I know it came, it came up in issue one, too, in episode so, number one. Well, probably because we were flipping through mainly P. Hall's stuff. But, yeah, definitely the Acoba Club number three, the Libra of AK. We did this a year ago, man. It was good times. Good times. This was April 2nd, 2022. How much do you think you knew about it? back then versus (laughs) now how much like at the time how much do you think you knew about it nothing bro i mean i had just come across and i thought it was super funny because right it's where do you so i wanted to ask you this thomas because where do you stand right now as far as the homunculus phenomenon goes right i mean it's gone we've gone nuclear with it since then but where do you stand with do you think it was a real thing because i know you're more more the skeptical kind of Guy, do you think it was real? Do you think it's symbolic for something? Where do you stand a hundred percent? Like, if somebody was to tell you right now, Thomas, you know, what's the, what's the homunculus mean to you? I think it's as real as astral magic is. How about that? And how real is astral magic? <laughs> about as real as homunculus magic is. <laughs> so that's what that's one of the notes that I remember reading that we'll get into, but that there was almost two different types of magic. One of them was seen as kind of the divine magic where mm-hmm. you were talking to planets and because planets were gods, then technically it wasn't bad. Theurgy, but that yeah. If you, yeah. But if, but if you were dealing without planets and you were dealing uh, maybe with just the earth or yourself. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the interesting ones was that if you're trying to recreate the, the demurge, right? So if the demurge mm-hmm. has created us, then these kind of evil, wicked, black magic alchemist scientists, they're going to be their own demurge and create their own life and their own little bubbles. So I think about it, it's it's as real as astral magic is. So if you put a lot of faith into astral magic, then maybe you should put as much faith into this natural homunculus alchemical magic. So I got hit up to do a documentary and the guy wants to kind of sort of do some stuff, like hands-on stuff. And I'm, I'm going to think about it, okay? I'm going to think about it because he's like, hey, man, you know, I would like for you to take a part in it as well. And I was like, can I kind of be there as a consultant? <laughs> you know, Are you going to show up and it's just a bunch <laughs> of eggs lined up on a bed? No, no, nothing like that. Nothing like that. It's going to be different. It's nothing like that. I don't know how much I can and can't say, but I mean, when we start working out the details, I'll get into it. But... He, I was like, and let me just be there as a consultant, kind of historian type of thing. He's like, oh, all right, we'll we'll figure it out. So, but yeah, so, because that's the thing about all of this, like you, I'm an, I consider myself an armchair occultist, right? We just talk about it. I don't, I'm not an alchemist. I don't do any of these experiments. I don't. But you are a homunculologist. I am a homunculologist where I, I study the homunculus phenomenon. And yeah, of course, I'm I'm one of the leading forces in that field. And <laughs> so that's why people are hitting me up. And bro, as of lately, you've had the Willy Wonka. You had the Willy Wonka trailer that came out where they have the little guy in a in like a vessel, bro. So the new Willy Wonka 2023, their main thing, bro, was like this little man. Now, Oompa Loompas, they're supposed to be pygmies. But I don't know what the order. Say that word isn't that the p word now. What the pygmies? Damn, bro! Twice we can't, we can't say that. I I don't know. No, can you? 
<laughs> yeah, we can. We can say that. All right, all right. So they're the big people. They probably want to be called the big people instead. But isn't that how, is that derogatory, really? <laughs> you know, I don't even know what we can and can't say anymore <laughs> on these platforms, bro. And that's the scary well, part about it. Well, it brings up a good point: is that we're gonna have to start developing an alchemical code, just like the alchemists of old, I guess. Right? You want to share that to... with the people, bro? Sh- share what? The, the the decode ring that we got well we're working on it it's not it's not live right now but uh we'll have something live in by the next episode hopefully where we're gonna just start dropping some code words i guess to you know talk about the things that we want to without having to say the things that we can't say <laughs> i guess <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a strange world out there i'm writing but, this uh, down just in case I'll, I'll write anyone who's on the rumble right now or the RSS feed will get it uncensored, but the tube, which is one of the bigger platforms, we'll, we'll play ball and we'll censor that word. Whatever. Who cares? So the idea that we I don't participate in these things like for real, for real. And so I think that because I'm reading about this stuff, bro, and I'm, I'm le- learning about it. And I'm like... What could they possibly be referring to? Now, today we're going to be talking, obviously, about the Liber Vacay. We're going to be talking a little bit about Astro Magic, a little bit about... And we're going to bring up the translation that I did with Mind Unveiled. And where I found that, and I found an interesting connection, Thomas, where it's related to the... the what is it, Asclepius? Is that how you say it? And the Golden Ass? What is that about? You never told me what it was about. Because we're going to be covering that here soon. We are. We're going to cover it, hopefully, with uh, with someone that's a little bit of an expert in the field that I'm looking forward to. But it was one of the the remaining sort of alchemical slash historical texts. It's a little bit mixtured, but it talks about the old days of, like, uh, necromancy and um, all sorts of Greek and Roman magic sort of combined. And a lot of that has made it maybe to modern day but not in the same way that people think about magic now so the uh yeah the golden ass and it's also comes up when we talk about pinocchio a little bit because part of that story uh, might represent a little aspect of that so check this out bro this is one of the thumbnails for one of the trailers on the new willy wonka and i mean it's right there man you can't you can't not see it <laughs> I don't know, bro. What do you think? <laughs> and there's I mean, also a like, scene. There's also a scene in the Johnny Depp one where they're whipping a cow, bro. <laughs> you seen that one? I haven't seen that particular one, but that the picture of Tim, uh, Timothy Chalamet with the little guy in the the vessel, the glass vessel in particular, he's just uh, Kufstein, right? Isn't that uh, Baron von Kufstein right there? <laughs> Let me see. Is it? I mean. The explanation for the reason you put it in a vessel is, in a, I mean, in addition to the practical reason, uh, oh, wow, that almost reminds me of that scene from The Cell, too. Yeah, they're whipping In addition the to the practical reason to have something to contain all of the uh, the ingredients, so the essence. to speak, yeah. it also represents, again, that demurge, that, that, like, outer layer, and that there's a layer outside the layer outside the layer, and, like, all those different bubbles that's another, I think, hermetic aspect of the as above, so below. So that if there's, you know, multiple bubbles above us, then in order to create this new homunculus life, you got to also create kind of multiple bubbles below you. Yeah. 
And I'm trying to find here the... Oh, that's Hugh Grant. Who is that? Is that the actor, Hugh Grant? Tim- his... Timothy Chalamet, wasn't it? That's That was the one that you just showed with the dude that had it in the bottle. But Hugh Grant revealed this Oompa Loompa and new movie trailer. Oh, he's the one in the in the bottle. <laughs> so, again, let's see here. I'm trying to figure out where where they come from because Oompa Loompa Origins. You might be getting to some dangerous uh, internet so, areas here. So, in the first edition, Charlie, the Oompa Loompas are, and it says that right there. From the deepest and darkest parts of the African jungle. That's kind of okay. That's kind of racist, bro. I mean, I'm saying I'm not sure if, if the p word is even legit anymore. We have to add that to the uh, the decoder. And if you think of the times too, right? 1964. It wasn't that long, you know. There was still pretty, <laughs> pretty racist back then. Bro. <laughs> Elvis was selling albums, right? Yeah. So again. That, that's the official lore. Now, as I'm learning about this, there there wasn't, throughout history, there really wasn't that many copies of this Libra Vacay. The one that I found was actually pseudo-Asclepius in an herbology text. So I found it interesting that we're going to be covering that, that is it, it's a grimoire, right? Magical Greek. I think it counts. I think it counts as a grimoire, yeah. And it was pseudo Asclepius, and I found it. Let me find. Let me pull it up here where I had found it because I got pictures of the original text and how it's broken down because it's various text within it, and it's at the Monte Pilier. Let me let me translate this hold up to English. Monte Pilier, so the the university over there, the library, and it's the medicine section H two seventy seven now. When I was working with mine unveiled on the on the video, we wanted a an actual like copy. Or the way that this works is, and the challenging part about finding these works is that when it's translated, let's say from right the original is Arabic, from Arabic to Latin, then Latin was also translated to Hebrew. When it's translated from hand to hand, the name of it changes. So it's it doesn't stay the Liber Vacay or the I forgot what the other Arabic name was for it. It changes. So I was having a difficult time, and I think the main one that a lot of esotericists use is the Corpus Christi 125, the Oxford Corpus Christi 125. I haven't been able to find a copy of that one, but if any of the listeners are able to find a copy of the Corpus Christi 125, hit me up, send me an email. Because I haven't been able to find one online about it. And that's one of the and ones. And that's another that, version of Libra Vacay? That's another version. There's about, in total, I want to say there's, the te- the literature says 12, I believe, in Latin. And there's various other translate One in Hebrew, I believe. And the other one, the Arabic is a fragmented version. So we're piggybacking. We're going to be covering today mo- more of the Latin version of it. And we're going to get into everything, you know, Neoplatonism, because it all relates. We're going to get into a little bit of everything. And I want to show pictures of the actual. So, mind you, this is everything that's, it's 588 pages, I think it is, in total. But these are all everything that's in it. And it's really difficult when you're trying to find something and you you can't read what you're trying to find, right? 
So we have even we have pseudo Magnus in here too. So here's the Libra VK. This is the part that I had to translate or that me and mine unveiled had to translate. So it's 68 VA to 78 VB and it starts right in the name of Christ, which is really weird because one of the things that I learned was that these guys back then, it was all about image, image magic, right? And they believed that they could create talismans without the aid of astral entities, so demonic entities. And therefore, it was okay to use these talismans, these, these, this image magic, if it was coming from nature. If you were tapping into natural sources of magic, and it was okay because you weren't dabbling with the demonic entities, and it was okay then. So we have here in Christ's name, and we'll break it down here in a second, but we have that. We had some other stuff here. Er, Erbarum, which is, again, herbology yes a treaty on i think that's supposed to say botany so yeah representation of herba botany and when we translated this we just sent it to to get translated and also one interesting thing i've tried to get like legitimate translators to pick this up and and translate it for me but they don't they won't touch i've gone to three already bro and they won't touch it they always tell where me, you, like, where do you go about finding these guys in the like dark alleys. Like, no, oh, I got, so I got this grimoire I need translating. It's it's a certain type of, and let me look it up. It's a certain type of. It's called. They have to specialize in paleography. It's a certain type of text. Now, not just any random person can translate the Latin because it's in Latin. But it's got to be a certain type of specialist that has to translate it. Because I went to I went to Fiverr first, bro, and I hit up a Latin translator. I sent it to him. He's like, "No, you need a paleographer, which is you know a Latin pale which specializes in handwritten or whatever." And I've already gone to three of them, and they've all turned it down. Now they're reading it and they're seeing what it's about, and they're just like, ah, "I don't want to be associated with that." Sure, but who knows? We have here, what else was here? I could have swore I saw a pseudo Magnus. So yeah, pseudo Magnus somewhere in here. Anyway. And are these different things you're going over right now? Do these all constitute the Libra Vacay or they're just related to the Libra Vacay? So they were together right here. Pseudo Albertus Magnus. We have Medicina X Anibulus. And these are all together in the text that we had to extract so this is the actual text itself this is what it looks like now imagine trying to find something about the Libra vacay right and you can't read any of it so when we extracted it i sent it into the translator right to the to the ai scanner and and then it had these weird look at the, look at this art bro because mind you it's it's some of it has medical text in it and that's what people I have feel to like this is like a microwave where they tell you to like take the thing out <laughs> and rotate it and put it back in yeah look at this bizarre so this is part of that text and we got again the pages the folio pages that i that i said at the beginning and so we're scanning this and we're hoping to get something back and we ended up getting something decent back now it's not perfect and that's the problem with it but a lot of what was happening with, is that these guys were hand copying these texts, bro. 
right? So this is over 500 pages, and these guys are hand copying it because it's done in secrecy. Okay. I've never seen two homunculus together in one vessel. Well, it's the divine marriage, bro. Right. Up between two dudes? Well, it looks like two dudes, but in alchemy, it's the masculine and the feminine coming together. Okay. And that's what it's supposed to represent. Now. Which one is the masculine and which one is the feminine? Well, again, this isn't part of the Liber Vacay. This is this was a different text within what I found it in. So this isn't this isn't the actual part of the Liber Vacay. These are these are drawings in the text that I found the Liber Vacay in. And it was a small section towards the back of it. But and my my understanding too is that the Liber Vacay is almost this like unspoken taboo magic, and it's surprising that anyone wrote it down at all let alone that we've got enough to piece together even fragments of it. Because it, it seems like even the writing, it's like, do not repeat this. Don't let anyone know about this. So why would you even write it down? And I feel like it was, you know, it was like a, some kind of rapscallion or uh, some sort of rebel that ended up starting to write this down to pass it on. So you read you read the the actual translation, right? The... I read I read that one. I've read the summary, uh, Book of the Cow by, um, I forgot the dude's name, Pingins or something. Ping Pingri. So he's one of the Pingri. esoteric. He's like one of the esotericists, and he actually was working on a Latin translation before he passed away. Now this is sorry. It starts in the name of Christ, and this is the original text. Now the problem with this is, right? So you have these guys in. Some were in religious institutes because that that's the weird part about it because there's a lot of text in the Cant it's the Canterbury at St. Augustine where a lot of these monks were reading these texts, okay? And they were trying to a lot of them would translate and copy it over and then they would they would leave out parts that wouldn't align with their religious views. And then also they would, they were copying this in secret sometimes because a lot of them are handwritten. So with the, when you're OCRing these texts, mind you, the AI isn't perfect. So if the guy has sloppy handwriting or it's faded or it's scratched out how we encountered in some other texts, which was really interesting. There was, there's talismans within the actual book itself and the talisman is scratched out. If when something like that happens, the AI isn't going to pick it up perfectly. So when you plug that into the translation, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be missing some parts. That's why we can't. That's why I want an actual person who's a professional to break it down for us. But they just won't touch it. But point being that these guys are in secret societies, kind of sort of, and they are handwrite. So it's like me. Yo, Thomas, I got the most fire homunculus recipe for you, dog. Two and one. It's actually going to be two of them. I'm going to let you borrow it, brother. And you're going to go ahead and you're going to hand copy it by hand, okay? Because there's no printing press. We're not printing this. We got to keep it on the DL, bro, okay? You only you, right? And then you tell whoever else is in our in our clique, in our alchemical clique, right? The brotherhood, whoever we feel that is entitled to this information, you pass that on to them and then they can copy it. But dude, think about that. You're looking at it, you're copying it down, your hands kind of cramping up. Oh, let me leave let me leave this dog penis part out. This this is too much too much dog penis, right? And then you leave that whole part out. So think about what the original text probably said. But also 
I'm still on the fence if this is a real thing or not, bro. I think that they were attempting to do these things that they wrote about. If they actually got something out of it, I don't know. Well, are, are you purely... I'm going to keep going back to what Manly Palmer Hall said in that um, occult anatomy of man, that it's like the seven seals and that mm. any really good archaic text or grimoire or religious text, you can read it in like seven different ways. So there might be the one guys that are reading it literally and mixing the stuff up and shaking it up and expecting, you know, like instant popcorn almost. But there's also interpretations of it which get into the bees and the worms and like even the homunculi where I think it ties back to the book of law from Plato and he's describing these different levels of the soul almost, like different complexities of consciousness. And that's why the bees come out of a certain type of animal uh, I think, what is it, if if it's the full, I'm not going to use the words, if it's the full animal that is now no longer living um, and fully intact, then it will develop bees. But if it is, you know, cut up for sale, then it develops worms. And it's because mm-hmm. um, when the, uh, the, the red cherry juice inside all, you know, escapes the, the uh, parts, it's really hard to like dance between all the, the YouTube words. But that... When when the animal is fully intact, we're on Rumble, bro. You can say what you want, then I'll just bleep it's more, it. More, it's more complicated, um, and that's where you get the bees from because the bees are, in some theories, more complicated mm-hmm. than the worm is. Mm-hmm. So that's that might be another way of looking at this, where they weren't actually creating bees, but they were saying, "Here's this transfusion or this like complete, you know, transformation of one type of consciousness." into a physical realm so it might be code itself of saying you know this type of consciousness turning would be is really saying it, it hit like the second yeah. level and I, they describe in the book of law like 10 different types i don't have them all memorized or anything yeah i'll pull it up here in a second so the herbal of a pseudo apelius it's not asclepius I'm, I'm an idiot but apelius right so lucius apelius platonic platonicus yeah the author of the golden ass may have been put together we'll we'll cover that one soon yeah we're going to cover this one soon right and here we have one of these mandrake mandrogas mandragora which is part of the homunculus lore they would take these sometimes in certain rituals you would insert right the the seed if you will into one of these or put one of these in a vessel and it would become alive I think there's a depiction of this in the Harry Potter movies as well. But I found it interesting that I found uh, the right along with all this other text that I was showing you guys was also this pseudo Asclepius, which is part of the of this entire text, which was I think it was like 500 something pages or something like that. And the difficult part, too, with right. So we have some translations. And when we wanted to kind of compare a lot of the other pieces that you're going to find are right. It's sections of the Liber Vacae. So if I'm not mistaken, again, I, I need a copy of the Oxford Corpus Christi 125. So if anyone's a- able to find a copy of that, hit me up, email me the one one podcast doc at gmail.com. I, I want to inject the tangent here too, really quick. Yeah, go ahead. Because it sounds like you're on the fence about is this real? Were people really doing this? Could this be possible? And uh, I just want to pose a question because they now have the 
the lab-grown protein, right? The lab-grown yeah. meat. Yeah. So if you were to describe what the end product is of lab-grown meat to one of these alchemists that <laughs> really believes in homunculus magic, wouldn't they just say, oh, yeah, we're doing the same thing, Yeah. you know, and you just kind of have much fancier tools? It's called homunk meat, Thomas. And it's, well, it's we copyrighted that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But, I mean, there's also, like, an extra serious aspect of this because the rules of a homunculus is that it's just flesh. It's just, you know, like a mechanical animal almost, as the cart might call it. And that that's also the reason why you're allowed to gr grind them down or, you know, bonk them over the head and unalive them really easily because they don't have that soul. What is the entire premise of this lab-grown meat? It's that you can now enjoy a big steak and not <laughs> have that karma of like a thing died or that a, a soul <laughs> left the thing that was previously in an actual beaker, right? Well, so, I, I disagree with that, Thomas, because part of this, and we're going to get into it here, part of the whole thing is that that was one of the debates because they believe that there were, there were already pre-existing souls and by you creating this homunculus, one of those pre-existing souls would jump into one of these homunculus and therefore... What's the fine print behind that? If, according, again, it's Neoplatonic thought, you have Aristotelian biology. So there, there's a whole bunch of things at work when it comes to this homunculus phenomenon and the ideas behind it, okay? The ideas that helped birth, <laughs> no pun intended, birth this idea into existence, right? They, one of the things was, you know, we touched on theurgy a little bit. The idea that there is existing spirits and souls lingering around. Crowley, when he wrote about the homunculus, also wrote about this. He said, okay, you go into the desert where wandering souls are at. Okay, he, I think he puts it, no, no rational man or something would be roaming the desert, right? After death or whatever it was. And, and therefore... What, what that helps with is you're able to invoke whichever soul you want into it. And, right, ro everyone's probably seen Rosemary's Baby, right? You're birthing the Antichrist and all that sort of stuff. That's essentially what the elitists, right? Like Crowley, I don't know if I'd call him an elite, but these occultists are wanting to do. They're wanting to birth their, their guy or girl into existence and using a little baby as the vessel for that entity if you will okay so that version seems way more messy and complicated than being able to just like stir stuff up and leave it out in the shed for seven days and come back to it no well crowley i think had a problem with like alchemy and again i don't know too much of it but he had an issue with alchemists and i know he was mad at parsons for trying to do the babylon working as well because it was sort of trying to birth a homunculus into existence as well some some he believed he succeeded and it was marjorie, marjorie cameron, cameron. Yeah, she was the homunculus, that would be right? a femunculus yeah so a woman it was a, the, the red scarlet so they they manifested her into existence you know according to what he was trying to achieve with l ron hubbard but point being that that's why i'm saying that the homunculus phenomenon evolved since the beginning of time when it was chinese inner alchemy Two, right? It got passed down to the, the Japanese, the Shugendo tribe, and all these people, the Taoists, and everyone. And then it came in through there, and it just went from this little golden man to then you have, you have Zosimos, in the first, second, third century, right? One of these, he was a Gnostic as well, 
sort of references it. And then you have the Solomon and Absol. And by the way, I mean, we haven't plugged anything. I actually don't have... Do you have any copies there with you, standing next to you? I don't have oh, dude, any... I, do any, I have any any copies? Look at that. I always got like a stack of them in front of me. Well, I've been shipping mine out, and the little pile that I had next to my desk is gone, so... Yeah, we have the so all the stuff that we're talking about today is in the homunculus owner's manual. If you want to have the only homunculus owner's manual in existence, okay, get yours paranoidamerican.com or tjojp.com. Pick one up there, and it's the only homunculus owner's manual. You're gonna learn the lure. You're gonna learn all that good stuff in there from that. And it's the only modern translation of a lot of these in a century. Yeah, Easily. we we cut out we cut out all the fat, right? We we went straight to the point, and you don't you don't have to translate all these texts or anything like that. But I'm on the fence, Thomas. So with this modern this this idea that you presented, of course, my neighbor's cutting the grass when I'm recording a podcast. But this idea that you presented as to the difference between now and then, I don't know if these guys really believe that they were achieving this right whoever was attempting these things and maybe they put themselves in a state of mind where they believed it because i've been sent some really interesting clips when it comes to the homunculus like really weird stuff now when i say and when i, I, they I have a theme to them too a pattern may, might emerge yeah you could say maybe a little bit mentally unstable right without being well and i'm gonna i'm gonna guess they're probably mostly dudes uh not a lot of females emailing you about Hamas. because i also have another theory on this which i won't go on too much of a tangent but that it's the ultimate my buddy it's the ultimate like i can't find a woman because i'm a hermit and i just eat mushrooms and you know, talk to spirits in the trees all day and I don't bathe and I don't, you know, I don't do any of the things that are going to attract the mate, but I still want to have a little assistant and a little guy and a little legacy or maybe just a little helper. Um, and maybe I'm just so kooky and so hard to work with that I can't keep anyone around to assist me long enough. That would be the ideal solution is if you could just make your own. And if one alchemist says somewhere out there, Oh, I've made my own assistance. I've got like three or four homunculi. Oh, you don't you don't have a homunculi helping you? What you know, what's going on in your laboratory? So I think it might have perpetuated a certain point where everyone got the keeping up with the Joneses going, you know, like all of a sudden alchemists really do feel like they need to start raising homunculi. Just like you said, <laughs> oh, even Manly Palmer Hall, even he might have had a homunculus. And it's just like it it adds to your street cred as an occultist if people claim that you have your own homunculus that you know how to create them and then that you've been able to keep it secret somehow so some people have i think it's called servitors where if you have a mind palace the the little servant right this little astral servant will clean up your mind palace for you and all that stuff I've i've heard that people talk about that before so there's that aspect of it, Thomas. And this is why I'm saying that's why this is why I love the homunculus topic because it's so multi multi-dimensional, multi-level, where it is your your ultimate imaginary friend. But where and does you don't have to bother finding like a woman to make it. That's like that's the key point with all these hermit male alchemists, mm-hmm. I think. But where do these texts fall in in that 
in the whole phenomenon, bro. Because it's so bizarre these things that they're writing about. And we'll get into it here, but where does it? Where did? Why? <laughs> you know, you're like, why? What's the problem? Like, like, why write about this? And if you are occulting something else, why occult it in such a manner? You know what I mean? What? I think that you you were starting to get into a good point earlier about the memory palace. And I actually think that the homunculus itself might be a memory palace. Because like you were saying, Ooh. it's a combination of Aristotelian nature, magic. It's a little bit of Neoplatonism. Yes. It's got a little bit of everything. Yeah. So when you just like when you see a homunculus now, right, you can start citing off. It's the little golden man. Mm -hmm. It has to do with the coffin stein. It's got all sorts of these, you know, tangled web that it that it creates that the whole three degree connection. Well, now that the concept of a homunculus is a memory palace for you. And I think that that's no different from people in the past, you know, even like Parakelsian monsters oh, that kind of gets woolen up into this like yeah. so all of those different types of creatures if you show someone that understands the concept of a homunculus just the one type of it they also are conjuring all those little one-fitted men and you know every kind of variation of it so homunculus as a pneumatic pneumatic is that how you say it pneumatic yeah pneumatic device so maybe not an actual little person, but maybe a representation of something else. And that's where the cortex man comes in, because it's a representation of the neural map that is in your brain and what parts your brain controls the most on your body based on the size of it. So therefore, you have the cortex man. That's a, well, that's that's a nice one. I like that. Well, and I think building on that theory imagine the imagery of how you make those bees from the cow we don't have to go into every grisly detail of it, of yeah. it again so the more the more extravagant the easier it is to to remember it so it, this is where the wait, 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 you, you think of extravagance when you go over the uh the <laughs> recipe for creating bee oh this is extravagant extreme because we know that that's part of of the mind palace instructions the more extreme the the example is the easier it is to remember and that's where the alchemist the al alchemical aspect comes into play because if they are occulting something else let's say they're occulting the creation of the philosopher's stone and it, that's an interesting way of occulting it by using this weird verbiage which we'll we'll get into specifics here and, I, and i'll just bleep it out for for youtube but but this again we don't have the key to decipher it and we weren't part of this brotherhood that's referenced in the in this grimoire this translation either so we're not going to know but yeah no i i like that i like that interpretation of it thomas uh, more of a as a memory device versus an actual living thing but still that's a weird way to 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 want to remember something right so well, it's got it's got rules and the rules mm -hmm. are baked into the extreme images you. again yeah. like when you see yeah. the bee flying out of the cow if you understand that the bee actually represents a slightly more complex version of consciousness mm -hmm. you know mnemonic device now all of a sudden it's really easy to remember what that means and i guarantee you the whoever reads the Libra vacay some of the original recipes and instructions it's not something that you forget easily no no definitely because it's that it has that Crowleyan aspect of it of shocking the reader now i've heard that used as a, a sort of desensitive to 
how do you say that? Desensitize, right? Is that how you say it? Desensitize mm -hmm. the reader. And that's supposed to do something in the subconscious in order to, I don't know. Again, I've, I've read it before. And, and some people excuse Crowley's work for being like his. I'm talking about the obscure stuff like white stains and uh, whatever the lily drops or whatever the other nasty stuff is. Like the. the his, uh, his Valentine's Day poems, yeah. The stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like the nasty Crowley stuff. Some people, oh, it's just a way of getting the reader to initiate. I don't know. I don't agree with it, but whatever. But let's read some of the translation, Thomas, and then we'll get into the Pingree stuff. And I want to talk a little bit about Pingree because he was one of the really like one of the, le the leaders in this Liber Vacay, really esotericism. And he was... Do you feel like you might be taking part of that torch since you said that... He was working on the Book of the Cow before he passed on. And yeah. now who else is working on it that you know of? There's a few people, bro. There's a few legitimate PhDs that are working on it. Do you guys have like a secret meeting that you, you all attend? No. About Libra VK? I reached out to her and she never she never hit me back up. So, I mean, no shade, but yeah, she never hit me back up. But she's working on a... Liana Saif is working on a, I think it's an Arabic translation of the Libra Vacay. So she's working on something right now, but she's an actual and PhD in, in, in occultism, actually. And we keep saying Libra Vacay, but that there's also an English version of this, the Book of the Cow. Mm -hmm. um, and there's some theories. I mean, it, it sounds pretty credible, especially on Pingree's research, but that the Book of the Cow was referred to as like I think it was a pseudo platonic yes writing pseudo Plato um so it was it was attributed to Plato but it wasn't actually Plato because it was written way after Plato had died by you know his school of disciples or whatever but that this book of the cow it doesn't describe anything nearly as you know um, extreme as some of the Libra vacay stuff that comes out after but there's almost a lineage where it starts with Plato sharing some of his findings and then it gets lost and then it gets rediscovered and then it just like finds its way all the way up into I guess modern times but that this original book of the cow might have been also the Picatrix so the Picatrix kind of came from some of these same sources yes. and that they all start to like diverge a little bit and get some chunks get into this grimoire and some chunks get into that grimoire mm -hmm. it almost turns into like a greatest hits compilation <laughs> put out by a bunch of different record companies yeah, and that's that's again back to that idea of why are there so many different translations, and then when the when it gets translated, and think about all the ones that have been lost to time too. So when we when we reference the Libra Vacay, it's an umbrella term, and they, it has numerous other texts under that umbrella term that fall under that Libra Vacay. So there's at least fifteen different separate texts, and they sometimes piggyback off of each other some are standalones okay and the the point being that they were passed down through these lineages and they were hand they're all handwritten now with that said i did find some of these texts would evolve into printed text and i did find one i ran it through the ocr i haven't had a chance it's a bestiary i believe it is because there were a lot of these bestiaries back then too during the 15th 16th century of these just weird animals like chimeras pretty much they were like monstrosities were a, a, a thing back then 
Like they were fascinated with it. And even all the sources were like, trust me, bro. Like my uncle well, saw it. <laughs> well, some of the sources were like, hey, we've there's a guy, right? So the guy that had over 30,000 pickled punks, like the original guy, he had 30,000 specimens. He had a whole encyclopedia on monstrosities. And his whole thing was, I got these images because there was diagrams with it from real life specimens. So he said that he was, <laughs> he had a, 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 a manticore or whatever, a unicorn. He's like, yeah, no, no, I drew that picture from the actual thing, bro. Source, <laughs> trust me, okay? Trust me, bro. And then I turned it into jerky or it ran away. Or yeah, it ran away, right? Like the like nowadays you got the whole, oh yeah, they, 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 they unalived a dog man or something. It's like, okay, where is it? Oh, the men in black showed up. Mm. <laughs> okay, I see what's going on here. So you want to talk a little bit? Let's talk about the translation that I was able to find on the H277 and... I'll post a link because mine unveiled use it for his video. It's towards the end of the video. And I was able to find that again through hours and hours of, of searching and I stumbled across it. So do you want to start off with, uh, you have some, notes yeah. On? So I've, I've got a couple that, uh, and again, these translations are a little all over the place. I tried taking some of the OCR Latin and then doing that through a separate translation service. And they were, um, some things were similar, some things were not so similar. So one of the the example translations was that this is a recipe. Take the weight of 50 days of labor and mix it with seven days of pure thought and contemplation. So this sounds like almost like um, mixing nature magic <laughs> with astral magic in, in some case, right? It's mm -hmm. like the, the two different um, sort of polarities that they were discussing in the other ones. And then it says that you basically create this substance which you can anoint the body of a man so that he may see and communicate spirits of wisdom but the anointing has to be done on the ninth day in the threshold of a door in the morning depending on the and i just want to say bro we're we're saying this in the name of christ all blessings be upon this book okay and that's how it that's that's literally how it starts off okay so it, it starts off like, dear Jesus, you know, uh, I'm not doing this. No offense. <laughs> no demons, you know. <laughs> and that's how Let's they psychologically got around the heretical blasphemy, too, by the way. Like mentally, like, hey, listen, like John D. John D. didn't think he was doing the occult, bro. He thought he was well, doing God's work. I don't know if I, I think I'm going to mention this to you off, uh, off air, but there was these Carmelite friars they also were summoning demons to mm -hmm. cure cure themselves and cure other people. Yep. And they also had a justification, and their justification was a little bit loose. But it said that uh, Jesus had commanded spirits, and and, and you demons, know, and yeah. if he's allowed to do it, then what makes <laughs> me not allowed to command demons? So yeah. that was some of their justification. They were not in the majority. I think that they actually, you know, they probably had to do that in the basement, you know, with uh, the robes and in yeah. the dark and everything. Yeah. But uh, but there's a lot of a lot of this homunculus and Libra Vacay stuff. It does seem to predate the concept of heresy, at least in the terms of like, you know, God's going to be mad at you if you do this. So way early on, there was nothing wrong with any of this. In fact, a lot of this was state-sponsored magic. Like, you might even 
been forced to do some of this, even if you didn't want to, because it's what everybody was doing. Yeah. And then over time, it becomes heretical. But the pro, like this tradition and this magic and the books that were written about it are just so much older. And you want to start playing that game, especially in occultism, of like who can find the oldest text wins. So there's like this unwritten law, right? That if I find a book that was written a hundred years before your book, then all of a sudden mine's more correct. Although I don't, I don't think that that's, you know, that's not necessarily accurate, but there's almost a convention of that. So a lot of these older, older texts, and they talk about this, like the talismans, right? The old school version of talismans that didn't command demons. They weren't talking about sucking demons into these little figures that kind of came afterwards. So I think that, a lot of this Liber Vecae, if you kind of if you read it as if like the people that were originally putting these formulas together, they didn't have a concept of right and wrong and whether or not I'm affronting anybody. Yeah, no, definitely, and that that's that's where they start to that's where the lines start to get blurred, bro. Because back again to John D, who by the way had two copies of the Liber Vecae at one point, not just one, yeah, two when it was more obscure. And so, but I mean, that would, that would be a given because he had one of the biggest libraries in Europe, right? Uh, during his time. So it would make sense that he had it, but point being that he would have had to copy. Again, I don't know if he got it from somebody, but it would have been a handwritten copy that maybe he, I don't know if it's in his writing though. I have to check actually if John D, his, if his Librivacia was in his handwriting or not. That's a, that's actually a good a good question but yeah i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i'm just saying i, I want to bless this well, whatever could he podcast. read his own did he read his own uh copies of the libra vacay or did he have to get like an edward kelly to come and translate them for him so that's why I w- i'll check i'll check after this if his copy is in his writing because and i want to say that there are notes in the in the margins because they know what john d's handwriting was like so there's like a whole catalog of his stuff that he had but yeah, I'll check. I'll double check. But yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off when you were going on well, about the. Well, I just got one other one other thought uh, before I, I pass it back and we we vibe on this a little bit. But there was there was this one section of the translation, and it says I'm going to read it in its whole. It says to ensure that this power is used wisely, <laughs> a man must undergo a series of tests and trials designed to strengthen his character and prove his worthiness. These tests may include physical challenges, mental puzzles, and moral dilemmas, all which must be overcome in order to gain the full benefits of the magical substance. And when I read that, I mean, first, I mean, it sounds a little bit like all the sacred mystery schools, a little bit of Freemasonry in there, a little bit of the the Mm -hmm. college Greek system. But the one that stood out the most was when I read these tests may include physical challenges. I imagine like an occult version of Double Dare where people are trying to gain access to this occult knowledge and like you got to answer a trivia question before your opponents and then you got to go on like a little jungle gym type system. I mean, it was probably way more serious than that. But I mean, if you think about it, these were humans, right? Like none of these were perfect, platonic, solid beings that were, you know, without flaw. So I, I really do feel that the, the current Greek system where, you know, it they act like it's this ancient tradition, but then they also get like hammered on, you know, um, like Zima or, or like, you know, New, Long Island iced teas or whatever. But I mean, if you're if you're doing that now, I don't think humans were too much different back then. So if you imagine these dudes, there might have actually been some sort of like 
reality style game show uh to just weed out the people and i mean yeah enter- entertainment is is a hard thing to sort of understate and so we should probably start we should pitch this to a network let's start in a cult was it fear factor like, oh, you got to make a deal with Asmodeus to continue to the next hour. Like, or so, something crazy or like a game show where it's like these occultists. Right? Someone <laughs> a demon for me right now on air. <laughs> so this aspect of it, and I kind of sort of now, when we first started this show, I, I didn't know a lot that I know now. And the initiates of the flame starts to take on a whole different meaning, right? And so this part here where they have to go through these, right, the strengthening of his character and prove his worthiness. Well, part of the alchemical tradition was that you weren't able to achieve the magnum opus, according to Paracelsus, if the alchemist himself didn't go through a transformation, didn't go through a sort of purification. So not only was it an actual working of material and matter in order to have an effect on reality on the the macro you also needed to work on yourself and obviously we we did the initiates of the flames where manly p hall's like hey you are the philosopher's stone it's you bro you're the one that ingests this lead this material and you put out the gold so we're reading these texts and we're putting out the podcast which is the gold we're the only creature who's able to extract, well, obviously animals and everything, that is able to extract nutrients because it's about, right, the chemical breakdown of things. And when you eat, your your body's breaking and taking away the nutrients and leaving out the rest, right? I mean, we know how the human body works, but you eat and then the, your body does its own thing. Again, that's the alchemical process within ourselves. So we are the philosopher's stone. Now, <laughs> that's the symbolic version of it right but point being that this is this aligns with the this alchemical thought where and this is from i want to say it's from 1401 i want to say so 15th century now i'll double check but i want to say it's 1501 1401 it's fine here the year so it's, it's very old okay but it yeah so data matter so 1401 yes so it falls in line with that alchemical thought of transforming and purifying yourself now what does that entitle i don't know but point being that yeah how you're saying isn't there like a freemasonic type of thing to that where you have to write the the initiate or whoever it is has to mentally want to understand like like old school freemasonry and especially the old mystery schools that it was based on i don't even i didn't mean i wasn't around in the 17 or 1800s but in the 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 ancient mystery school some of these challenges that you'd be put in front of i mean i feel like you might have actually died there might have actually been like stick your head in this lion's mouth sort of challenges that not everyone would would come back from or that they would be so incredibly dangerous looking that it would just scare people away even if it wasn't truly fatal because again these these ancient mystery schools it's not like it's a bunch of um guys in togas in a cave holding sort of lanterns or anything like these were the originators of of you know plays and theatrics um so i mean imagine having the like the original shakespeare essentially put on this entire play for you well now i'll mention it's like 
the elite of the elite because Shakespeare catered to the poor people, essentially in the Globe Theater. Anyone could kind of see it. He poked at the elite. Well, now imagine the resources of the elite thousands of years before uh, Shakespeare was around. And they all they want to do is just put on these huge, impressive sort of secret mystery rituals that are going to shape your mind forever. But in order to protect some of those, you'd have to go up against, you know, horrible looking sort of challenges. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, I mean, especially when this goes underground and turns into the cult of Mithras, and now it's all just going to be Roman soldiers. Imagine the hazing and the, uh, the initiation rituals that you'd have to go through if this was just a bunch of Spartan warriors, you know, all male Spartan warriors that are used to like killing off their, their weak. Yeah, no, no, I agree. So you had the, the, again, I've never been a part of secret society, so I don't know, but the, the riding the Billy goat or something like that too. The... <laughs> <laughs> that's when it got, I think that's when it started to take a more silly turn and it was more of like a social slash drinking club in a way. But I think that those were supposed to represent what would have been a very scary thing way back. So it, so what used to be scary, you might be scared for your life and exit out. And that was like a test of your, your true dilemma. But then over a thousand years or let's say, you know, hundreds of years now it turned into like, you take a blindfold off and you're about to kiss like a goat's ass. (laughs) So, I mean, it's, it's a different sort of spectrum on what they're actually doing. In one case, you're already in the club and the rest of it's a little, just like gentle hazing, a little bit of joking to kind of bond, but the OG version of this, there wasn't like the hazing was actually to weed you out. Like if you couldn't get over it, then you weren't going to join. You weren't going to get these secret mysteries. So I want to read the, uh, one of the beginning parts and I want to, I want to point out where I think GPT was doing its own thing and getting a little crazy, but it starts off with in the name of Christ, all blessings be upon this book of the institutions of the actions of the furnace in which the human child lives by the law of the back. And, and that you and I think that it's a mistranslation because there is no such thing as the law of Labak. It could be whatever, but receive to dwell with perpetual residence. This book of the placation of the philosopher and doctor, the great book of institutions amplified and finished. And it opened to him the understanding of what he intended and so much was it well accomplished in him that it was delightful to him and converted his and their minds and hearts. He did good with the knowledge in order of, of providing explanations for the book of the Platonic work. So here we have the pseudo Plato, right? When the pseudo Plato comes in now, an interesting part of it, cause this is where it gets into when we dude, imagine us, right? So me and mine and Vailder are on discord and we're like, he's getting the translate. Like the text is finally coming through, right? It's being OCR. And we're like, yo, what's it saying? And he's reading this stuff to me as he's getting, he's like, bro, I think we found it. It's like, I think we found a copy of, you know, like an actual copy of the Libra Vacay. And we're, and we're reading this. And it goes, Bran in his secret writing speaks of all hidden things and discourses of them, saying that from the mixture of certain elements, a substance can be created. I was like, a substance that what that prophesizes to you, it shows you all hidden things. Well, I've read that before. Talk about the homunculus. But then it goes, this substance when combined with the power of words and rituals will radiate a light that can transform the ordinary into the extraordinary. (laughs) So I'm like, wait a minute. 
And mind you, the, the difficulty, too, of this translation is that when you translate one thing to another, the grammar is going to be off. Okay, it's going to be clunky. It's not going to be 100%. And ChatGPT did, did the best it could, but then this is the part that I go, okay, this might be bullshit. All right. But here, however, <laughs> he must, uh, once the man has successfully completed these trials, he will be transformed into a being of great power and wisdom, able to shape the world around him according to his will. He will be able to heal the sick, raise the dead, and even create new life from the elements themselves. However, he must always remember that with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Spider-Man shout out. Yeah, <laughs> and he must use his newfound abilities for the betterment of mankind rather than the personal. Now, I don't know if that was a, a summary of ChatGPT. That sounds like ChatGPT tapping into Spider-Man a little bit, yeah. And ChatGPT on some parts were was telling us, like, yeah, you got to be careful with this knowledge. Because it's extracting information from what you're giving it, right? So it's like, yo... Only the initiates of the flame can have this knowledge. You know what I mean? Well, so so that's actually funny because if you go to ChatGPT and you start asking it, tell me the secrets of Freemasonry, it'll tell you, like, that's not proper. That's not right. I, I can't actually do that because really? that would be violating the secrecy that that organization holds so dearly. So it, then it makes me think on these type of translations that you're, you're trying to feed it and it comes back. There's got to be that... Like when I asked it about Freemason secrets, it probably knew the answers, right? But then it also knows that they're so protected that you're not supposed to share them. So it didn't share it. So when you're going through and you're saying, here's this text for Libra Vacay, and then it's first pass and it's like, don't share this information with anyone. Maybe it's taken that into account first. And then it's like, I'm going to give this jerk off some freaking Spider-Man quote and, you know, they're going to buy it. He's an idiot because he's coming to chat GPT anyways. <laughs> so I, I feel like it's obviously not 100% that, but it's also on a spectrum, right? Like, where are we? Is it 50-50 of chat GPT just inserting whatever it thinks that you should know because you didn't ask it in the right way or you didn't, you didn't like, approach it? So it's like, all right, I'm going to have to occult some of this from you. So I got somebody in the chat because we are live on Rumble for the patrons, and... Feral Petal, she posted or they posted a a book of the heavenly cow, which is not it's attributed to Plato, but that's not the book of the cow that we're that we're talking about. Because again, there's it's very obscure as to what is out there. But yeah, the if you go to Wikipedia and you type in book of the heavenly cow is gonna come up, and that's not what we're talking about. That's that's something completely different. But the cow has always been at the center of it all, which is really interesting. But yeah, right. I'll throw in a, a, a quote for something. And that's why we really had to use our, we really had to put our tinfoil hats on because we didn't know if we were being led astray. And that's why I want an actual person to translate this for me, to compare it. So we know some of the subject matter already from all these other translations that other scholars, but the problem with the scholars is they don't post the whole thing. And if they translate, they translate bits and chunks that they put in their dissertation papers or whatever it is in their research papers. And you're getting, you're reading off of whatever they're giving you. That's why we wanted like a full thing that we can read. We can read the nitty gritty stuff and we can discern for ourselves what is important from that text. And that's why we hunted down a copy of it and that's why we want an actual copy of it now we have nothing to compare it to 
So we don't know if GPT and the daemons there are leading us astray and feeding us BS. You know what I mean? So the right. So it gets into the alchemist. We're, we're summoning demons to translate demonic texts back to us. <laughs> so I mean, they they can decide what they want to share and what they don't. Or I have a freaking gnat in my room that's driving me insane. It's the CIA trying to trying to make me to stop. So. That's what happens when you when you beat the cow with just a little <laughs> tiny one. You get little gnats. It gets into the translation gets clunky in between, right? And then I get to the what, other part. Go, what else do you have I was in between? Say that? In, well, I was gonna say in typical Chat GPT fashion, it it gets off the rails the longer it goes. Yes. So the the more it gets into its its rut of like talking in a certain way or using certain analogies, it kind of stays in that. So and let me read. I mean, one of the parts that's like ah. known also the brother. I wanted to sow the seed upon the term the thousand, the hatred that which is now known, the section of the matter, the hindrance and the pain with it. From another direction, the ligature, the persecution of those who hold it in the cookery, lets it perish, that which is in the place of the vinegar, which is with the E, and this, then, and... So it's like, what am I supposed to get from that? Now, that could have been sloppy handwriting. The translation didn't really come out all that great. So when we would get a good piece that we would be like, okay, this is something, it's like, okay. But towards the end is when it really... That's why I don't really have much... Here, so we have take the living essence of the elements and let it be made into a human form and let it be joined with the spirits and the angels so that it may become one with them. Place this creation in the midst of the people and they shall be drawn to it. And at night they shall become like the angels and the spirits and they shall be filled with the divine fire. In this way, the divine power shall be made manifest in the world. And the secrets of creation shall be revealed to all who seek them. So we're getting nuggets, bro, like that. And we're flipping out, bro. We're flipping out because we're like, <laughs> that's all these specific. Because remember, ChatGPT supposedly doesn't tap into other sources. So it wouldn't know about all the other Libra Vacas, except we've told it it's part of a uh, part of a system, a network, right? A, an umbrella of there's other translations and we're just trying to get our own and then we get stuff like this like we hit we i don't trust i don't trust it more than 10 no? percent no? because it came from chat gpt <laughs> so i really don't i can't like no, it, it won't let me so what else you got on it bro what where what else did you highlight because i like the stuff towards the end well, the, the very next statement, right after you, you mentioned that one, I'll read that one. It was about uh, angel wings or something. Yes. Uh, it says, take, and again, it feels like ChatGPT is telling you what you want to hear because it sounds I too love perfect. It. Yeah, yeah, that's what we thought. We're like, dude, this is crazy. Take the feathers of the spirits and the angels and bind them together with the bonds of brotherhood so they may become one. Then illuminate them with a divine light and place them before the people so they may see the power and the spirits and the angels and be transformed into their forms. In this way, the divine power shall be made manifest in the world and the secrets of creation revealed to all who seek them. And there's that ChatGPT aspect, because anyone that's played with ChatGPT enough, 
um, knows that after you like Start keep asking it something for a while, it'll repeat <laughs> and look at that exact same phrase. So, I mean, unless you can actually go into the scan text before it got to OCR mm-hmm. and see, does that exact same phrase exist in those two places visually? Because uh, neither of us know how to read that particular type of handwritten Latin to begin with, right? But I feel like that's an example of ChatGPT just injecting its own little its own little flair. And, dude, you'd be surprised how many people don't want to be, like, connected to this sort of stuff, especially when it comes to, like, a podcast. Like, I, I reached out to legitimate people to work with us as far as, like, alchemy, and some won't even, like, they don't want to. They don't want to be associated with it. So it's like, mm. But well, we we talk about this on uh, reality czar sometimes, but there's places, and, and I think uh, Chaz of the Dead brought this up, and it's such a great point. But there's a spot somewhere in Florida where there's a haunted house, mm-hmm. and the haunted house also happens to have had UFO sightings nearby, and it's it's interesting because the UFO researchers will show up to the house, and when they interact with the people that are there to scan for ghosts and with the spirit boxes. They've got no respect for each other because the UFO researchers are like, look at these idiots that think, you know, ghosts exist. And then the ghost people <laughs> are like, back. Yeah. stop bringing all this weird sci-fi stuff to the haunted house. You're bothering the ghosts. You know what I mean? And yeah. and I think that when people get so focused, like PhD style focused on a specific topic and like in a certain field, especially in academia, but I guess podcasting is almost turning into its own bubble too, mm-hmm. that you don't want to reach out because if you entertain the concept of UFOs, now there's a potential that everyone in the ghost world is like, oh, don't believe that guy. He believes in UFOs. And yeah. and I mean, apply that to cryptids, apply that to magic, apply it to almost homunculus, every right. sort of, yeah, homunculus. So yeah, I mean, some people don't want to get tarnished by thinking that, you know, having other people think that they might give credit to such a silly concept but thomas it goes back to the question that we were kind of going back and forth with at the, at the beginning is it an actual concept is there some credibility here or is it all just larping bro are these and this is something i ask myself every single day when it comes to the occult or the esoteric where all these people just huge larpers and they're just pretending and doing ceremonial magic, like just like an, an extra Dungeons and Dragons layer to it, where they're just doing this for fun, just to see what happens, right? And they're just they're just naked in the woods, doing some, you know, rolling around in a circle, right? It's like, I mean, I've I've got I've got a heavy one for you, but if you're if you're larping hard, right? I don't know if there's like a term for when you go like overboard larping. How much different would that be from you're becoming a homunculus and just letting some spirit come in and kind of use you? Because when you're LARPing out, you know, when you if you're into the Civil War reenactment and you go to the Gettysburg field and you just get all into it, is there a chance at all that you're actually kind of giving your vessel over to some ghost on the Gettysburg field to reenact what they went through and it's less about you? I don't know. So the word enthusiasm, I think, comes from that, bro. Let me double check. But I believe... Overlarping? No, it becomes to to get almost possessed. Let me double check this right now. Hold on. So, and this is 
So a belief in special revelation of the Holy Spirit, a religious fanaticism. Because I could have swore I saw that there was... I mean, if you go and do reenactments every single year for a decade, inspiration, is that not religious? So enthusiasm, inspiration as if a, by a divine or superhuman power, ecstasy. Hence, a conceit of divine possession and revelation or of being directly subject to. Yeah, so right there, yeah, moving past your. So revelation of being directly subject to some divine impulse, a state of impassioned emotion, transport, elevation of fancy, exaltation of soul. And there's another one in, in its spiritual interpretation. Enthusiasm refers to a moving past your mind and emotions to tap into divine energy. So, yeah, it's a, again, and it comes from slick broke it down for me one time. But, I, yeah, I, I was right that it's about enthusiasm. You're opening yourself up. You're enthusiastic. And it's like literally you're being possessed by something that's past your. So is, your own is LARPing magic? Yeah, I would say so. Yes, because isn't that the part of like ceremonial magic? It's about more of putting yourself in a state of mind than it is actually conjuring, evoking or invoking something, right? So I got to wonder, because the, the roots of this Libra vacay, right? And I'll, I'll jump a little bit to, what's his name, Pingree? Yeah, David um, Pingree. I, was, I had like a little biography of him and then... Oh, yeah. So, um, but I, I wanted to mention that LARPing feels like a more modern version of this. If you dial that thing back to where he traces it almost to BC times, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, 8th century to 13th century BC or something. But even in the 9th century, do you think that those dudes were LARPing when they were talking about <laughs> Liber Vake? Or do you think that the LARPing just happened? Because this reminds me of Sacred Mushroom in the Cross, too, where John Allegro mentions that the the original version of the catholic mass was maybe they were you know ingesting real yeah. things and then that was seen as too uh too secret or too powerful for normal people to understand so they kind of replaced it with the eucharist which yeah. was just sort of you know like a placebo effect but that happened for such a long time that now everyone thinks that the 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 uh, transubstantiation always happened with this cracker but really it might have been a very active substance way back in the day. So I think there's a version of that here where, you know, we, we look at it like, oh, they're LARPing or maybe it was this or that, but I don't know. Cause there's also an aspect of this of, of dudes relieving themselves into like a big pile of cow dung. Right. Yeah. And I feel like there's a very real version of that. Like <laughs> I feel like enough people would try that if they came across it. That's the problem, Thomas, that, but, but you would stop there. You would be like, oh, I tried it and it didn't work and you walk away and it's almost like a defense mechanism. It's like, that's one of the trials, right? It's like, mm -hmm. if you read it literally and you're like, oh, I went into the shed and I did the thing that it said and nothing happened, maybe you'll just say, oh, that thing was silly. It's just a bunch of like nonsense and well, you leave it alone. Well, if we go to the Fa the Faustian tale, right, Wagner's... He talks about how he's tried it numerous times before. And once Mephistopheles was there, he was able to make the homunculus. I mean, that's alluding to something else, obviously, that the devil, he had outside an outside entity help in the creation of the homunculus, which we'll get into here in a little bit. But 
Right? That was the whole thing behind that story. He's like, I've tried this a whole bunch of times. It never works, but today it worked. So it's kind of like how many times you have to keep going, again, this trial and error, these trials, before you're ready. Right? How many, dude, do you ever sit down and when you're doing research, right? That one, that one thing that you said on that episode that we did with, I think it was with Mark, where once you learn the unspeakable God, the unspeakable name of God, and once you speak it or you learn of it, right? Like a downer that he dissolved into nothingness and, and just peaced out of this dimension. Once he learned that piece, <laughs> and don't you ever sit down, bro. And sometimes you're reading these texts and just going through the steps of, of gathering the research and putting together a presentation. Sometimes when I'm laying in bed reading, I go, what have I ever, cause you know, when you're reading and you're connecting the dots to other things, right? And other things start to make sense to you. Like, whoa, that's what they meant by X, Y, Z, or, you know, on this other episode 201 or whatever, episode 133, and I'm working on episode 170. You're like, now, now it all makes sense. Don't you ever feel like you're going to hit that one piece of knowledge and you're just going to like peace out of this dimension? I forget <laughs> things too quickly, no. Because no? I'll, I'll, read, I'll read like a book and be like, man, this book is groundbreaking. Every single paragraph is a quote. And yeah. I'll go to like pop open my place where I take notes and I'll see like, oh, I read this book four years ago so i don't feel like it's uh, i'm gonna have that problem where i find like all the different puzzle pieces yeah. and it all comes together because i'm always losing pieces here and there oh well I, I feel like that sometimes i'll be like i'll be laying in bed and i'll be thinking i go what if i connect ideas that weren't even supposed to be connected and i just you just wake, disappear yeah. wake up as a grasshopper <laughs> in like some field somewhere like oh i did it you know like i, I became i learned it and i just reincarnated again like oh here or we it are just says like level two begin <laughs> again you that's know, just how many levels are in this game something i think about sometimes where it's like once you are ready then it'll it'll be revealed to you because i was listening to manly p hall and you know the one thing that i really appreciate about manly p hall and I found the homunculus concept through Manly P. Hall, by the way, doing, again, the, the episode for the all-seeing eye. And it was with you. I called you up all excited. Bro. I was like, yo, I found some crazy stuff. I don't know if you want to talk about it on the live stream. And you're like, when I told you what it was, you're like, yeah, we got to talk about that. Because it was so absurd. I'd never even heard about it. And then you were game because I know you're a weirdo and I know you're into the weird stuff. So I was like, all right, we'll, t we'll talk about it. And I mean, you can see, you can watch the Well, episode. I've got a, an unpublished comic series that I'm still waiting to put out. Um, that was written by a guy that, that is now working on the Lego movie and shit. So uh, I'm like Ninja go and stuff. Yeah. He's like huge right now. Um, but, uh, he he wrote a book with me called Black Mass Pizza. And this is before the Epstein and all that, like the, the ping pong stuff came out. Um, but it was called Black Mass Pizza, and the whole premise was that an evil wizard had created a homunculus to deliver pizzas for him, and that <laughs> they were going to take over. They were going to take over all of these like high society. Is that the uh, Napoleon Dynamite guy? Fraternities. It is. Yeah, he oh, was it a is? producer on Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. So fun fact. Shout out Doc Wyatt. Yeah. One of the writers to Napoleon Dynamite has a copy of the Chosen One. And he knows that's, about it. That's right. And and he was writing a story about a homunculus with me like a decade ago. And I got three issues of that done. I'll put it's it out. so eventually. awesome. But yeah, the guy's, the, the homunculus's name, he's the pizza delivery guy, is Zosimos. 
Really nice, dude. Yeah, I mean, you're an OG in this, so you, 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 but, but you weren't deep into it like we are now. <laughs> well, I, I just thought of it as the dude with the big lips and the big hands yeah. and the big everything else. And yeah. I had always seen that as because it's supposed to represent the nerve endings. Mm-hmm. Um, like how, like how many nerve endings are attributed yeah. to different parts of your body. And that's what give you the different, uh, you know, proportions. And then I had also read, the works of Paracelsus before, but I never put the two and two together it's of Juana the Paracelsus Celsus, monsters. Juanacelsus, and what? No. <laughs> it's Juanacelsus. Juanacelsus, yeah. So yeah, that was one of the comments on the meme I posted today. And... I never realized how many things the homunculus connected yeah. to, and that it was like the one thing that kept getting repeated. So I'm going to be interviewing another person that worked with Manly P. Hall, and he had access to Manly P. Hall's manuscripts. He copied various of them, and he published the unpublished pages of the secret teachings of all ages i'm going to be interviewing him he worked with him for i don't know how many years at the prs but one thing that i can appreciate about manly p hall and i kind of don't like is the fact that he doesn't cite his sources so when i stumble across in the all-seeing eye or i think it was the horizon journal this homunculi and he's telling the story about kufstein no no footnotes as to where you can find it he references some obscure book from 1871, which I translated, by the way, in German, a Freemasonic text, by the way. And I, I was able to find a copy of that. You weren't allowed to do that. Whatever. So the point being <laughs> that without Manly P. Hall citing his sources, it makes you dig deeper, right? It makes you go and actually do research because you have to if you want to learn about it. And I was listening to one of his lectures this week. And I remember the first time I ever listened to that lecture. And he's dropping all these names. Raymond Lowell, Elias Artista. He's talking about Basil Valentin. All these alchemists, of, of like all the, the greatest hits of alchemists, which I had no idea what alchemy was when I first stumbled across that lecture. And trying to find information on all those guys that Manly P. Hall is dropping on this lecture from 1950-something, and stumbling across all this alchemical knowledge, right? And that's how that's how the the subject of alchemy developed for me. Where it was like it started with Manly P. Hall referencing all this stuff. I'm like, yo, what what is alchemy? And I still don't understand it 100. percent And that's why I love about the subject because it's constantly morphing again, similar to the homunculus. It's morphing into every time you look at it, it turns into something else. And if you Google it, you'll get right the the lead of lead into gold. Right. But you can't let it live for too long. Lead into gold. That's that's a yeah, 16th century lead into gold. Paracelsus with at the forefront, really, and that's about it. But when you start to really peel the layers back, and you go, what what in the world is this? That's what that's what I love about the subject. So, yeah, that's what I lo- love about mainly beyond. That's why I tell anyone who who really is interested in getting into the esotericism, read Manly P. Hall. You're going to get like mind blowing stuff. And that's as far as you'll get because the rest of the rest, you got to put in the work for the rest of the stuff, right? For the cool stuff, you got to actually dig in and, and actually start finding it out. So let me read some Pingree here. We got Dave. Right, and I was going to say too that Manly Palmer Hall took a lot of inspiration from Albert Pike. And Albert yeah. Pike's the exact same thing, maybe even way worse where he just summarizes these huge swaths of information. <laughs> They're plagiarizing. And he bro. doesn't, 
I mean, play, I mean, uh, I don't they know if I would call. They're plagiarizing, dog. I don't know if I would call plagiarism though, because it it didn't have like we didn't have the same sort of MLA citation system mm-hmm. as they you know we do now back then. And in fact, when Albert Pike and Blavatsky put their books together, it's not like they were writing anything that hadn't been written before, but they were putting it into the same context and even even Albert Pike separating what he did in, in Morbles and Dogma into the brief chapters even as they're so generic and hard to follow now that was leagues ahead of what people were doing prior to that especially when it came to occult texts so I mean Albert Pike's really hard to follow um, Blavatsky is is very poorly organized I'd say I mean in, in retrospect of all the different stuff she wrote Palmer Hall is a huge improvement over both of those because Palmer um, he actually broke things down into normal language and would show you the diagrams and really spell things out for you in a way that Pike never would. Pike kind of intentionally made it hard to break down. But I think that that's where uh, Manly B. Hall got those roots. He got it from reading from Pike, you know, and, yeah. and Pike didn't cite sources. So mm-hmm. No, no, yeah. And it was how you're saying it was the times that they were. A lot of people claim Palmer Hall's a plagiarist, too. The same way that they claim it about Pike. Mm-hmm. So before we move on to Pingree, I want to touch on an aspect. I don't know if you caught it, where it's talking about the cow. And I don't know if it was. <laughs> Yo, check this out. So in addition to so to to accomplish this, you must create a special talisman made from the bones of a lion and the feathers of a bird. This talisman sh- should be inscribed with powerful symbols and placed in a secret location where it will be protected from harm. When the time is right, you will be able to use the talisman to summon the cow and perform great feats of magic and alchemy. Now, I don't know if that's ChatGPT getting in there and doing its own thing, but then it goes, in addition to this talisman, you will also need to create a special potion made from the hairs of a horse's mane and the leaves of a certain plant. This potion shall be applied to the cow's body and it will enable it to perform its miraculous tasks. It will also... It will also protect the cow from harm and ensure that it remains strong and healthy. So what I took from that was thus by following these instructions and performing these tasks, you will be able to create the legendary cow and harness its incredible powers for your own purposes. So it's like a magical cow, but then you have right the book of the heavenly cow, which let me pull that up because that's that was an interesting one. And one of the things that I always get whenever I talk about this with people. So you have the book of the heavenly cow or the book of the cow of heaven. An ancient Egyptian text to, thought to have originated during the Armana period. And in part describes the reasons for the imperfect state of the world in terms of humankind's rebellion against the supreme god Ra. So uh, the copies were discovered in the outermost of the shrine of Tutu. Hamun to to tank Hamun. All right. So again, this is, is an Egyptian text. Now, it's interesting, right? They they were the ones that were worshiping the cow as well. But whenever I get somebody asking me, "Oh, the book of the cow," the first thing that they do is apparently Google the book of the cow, and they get something completely completely different. But yeah, the book of the heavenly cow. But then we have this cow that does magical stuff. So it makes you think of like, hey, why are why are these people worshiping cows in all these in all these religions? Why is the cow mutilation a phenomenon? What's happening there? Right? Who's tapping into that? 
And then you have here, receive the form and prepare with the help of the man himself and establish it as a permanent form. So it's talking about the form is the monkey. You shape it into the shape of a man. So, so far we've seen the substance, the references to the homunculus as the substance, as the form, as the child, really. I saw it at the beginning, the child. I mean, I think that's a reference to it too, right? The child, which is kind of weird. But if you then manage to create the permanent form and nourish it, divide it into parts that are needed over several days, let it not be mixed with any other substance. And after several days, the substance will be exhausted and you will need to warm it up <laughs> now i gotta i gotta say here and this relates into the cow in my mind but i could make a pretty convincing argument that the homunculus is just a mushroom bro be Same quiet anything else thomas be quiet because what else do you put into cow poop no i know and and come back to it a week later you leave it in a dark place you come back and they keep saying why essence. go through the trouble of occulting mushrooms like that though thomas Because if it's that easy for anyone, because I'm, I'm thinking back to the mystery schools, if their secret really was this kind of one-way ticket to a divine presence or a divine experience, and then you come back to regular mundane world after that, if you have that sort of recipe and, and unlimited access to it, you could kind of start your own cult. And I kind of think that's probably what happened is people started their own cults <laughs> and it was like, I've got this secret thing. And just like all the alchemical recipes, yeah. it's like you might throw in a couple poisonous, um, you know, like if, if you're going to write it down and you stick it in your, your drawer, you'll be like, oh, I'm going to add a little arsenic in there and maybe a little bit of, you know, um, some like, magnet. Sprinkle yeah, some just magnet. like throw some magnet in there. So if someone comes across it, they might try it out one time and then they don't try it out again right because yeah. they didn't know to, like skip every other yeah. recipe or something but, that, it, but i just feel it, it just fits too perfectly all of the veneration about cows and poop and um and like consciousness and especially i showed you this on something unrelated but the um the works of uh robert gordon wasson that's really interesting who, bro who did a lot of research into the Perikelsian monsters and mm -hmm. he was trying to show that all these one-footed guys and and these guys that would lay on their back and they would use their one foot to block the sun from them i forgot what they were called like the the shade steppers or something. yeah i know what you're talking about so like all of these are technically homunculus right if you look at mm -hmm. the Perikelsian monsters and just what they look like and how they're represented those were homunculus but robert gordon wasson is making the statement that those were actually mushrooms and that Paracelsus was sort of encoding this idea and for anyone that had the eyes to see would yeah. understand that he was telling them here's where you can get this type of mushroom and here's how long it lasts for and and that was kind of encoded into all of this so there might be a version of that with these homunculus yeah and, and it's the brotherhood right the brothers and it makes you think of the Lucinian mystery schools what they were doing they were probably just tripping off their balls and but that was all ages too. The Lucinian mysteries were available to men and women of all classes mm -hmm. and races and everything. Interesting. So I want to get into the nitty gritty of the actual, the, the stuff that we know about it from other scholars and David Pingree, David Edwin Pingree was, is at the forefront of that. And apparently he was right. The chair, he was a mathematician, history of mathematics Brown University died on November 11, 2005, and 
he went on to he was again this scholar very decorated oh he died on 11 11 huh yeah he died on yeah he died on 11 11 and so he would he could translate sanskrit he was a scholar of culture of the near east or greek of latin specialist and so he was born in new haven january 2nd 1933 and his dad Right, the son of Daniel Pingree, who was at the time in the economics department at Yale University. This guy's up there and them bones. Yeah. And also the the point, dude, at Yale, there are a lot of interesting texts. Now, the reason I believe that is is because I think that when it comes to the act of writing, to me, it solidifies in the ether. So it's it's a much Right. When you journal or when you when you write something down as to opposed to typing, when you're writing something down by hand, it's a lot more personal. And I, my retention goes up dramatically whenever I take notes by hand. Right. Obviously, it takes too long. But when you're writing something down, it's a more personal experience. You feel, the, you know, the the, the that's know, actually called a uh, kinesthetic learning. Oh, in really? NLP terms, oh. if, if you retain information better when you yeah. write something down, mm-hmm. then you might actually, in general, memorize things better when you've got some kind of uh, kinesthetic, like a touch-related sensation going on. So Can you for touch some me, people, Thomas? Yeah, uh, all the time. There you go. <laughs> Reach under the table right now. But I mean, for some people, just doodling while they're listening to like a lecture, just the act of doodling will help them remember it longer. And it's not because you actually have to write down what you're hearing, but just feeling something as you do it, it links it. It's just the same, you know, know, like anchoring kind of works or like, uh, like your olfactory sense. If you smell a scent, you haven't smelled for 10 years. You'll just immediately be transported Mm -hmm. back to that place because your, your smell is your greatest um, sense that links to memory. But you can train yourself to do that for other senses. And for some people, just naturally feeling their like, you know, their hand and a pencil rubbing across paper as they hear something, just that extra sensation helps link it to them a little bit more. So the next time they're writing or they're sketching, now they can recall what they heard last time that they had that same tactile sensation. Smells like homunculus in here, bro. <laughs> So this guy, right, I it's think probably not a good smell. They have the Voynich manuscript at Yale. They have right skull and bones. They have what else do they have? They have the Rothschild Canticle Canticle, which is a weird text that I cover I just covered it with Donut. They have a lot of things at Yale. And I think that's done on purpose because I think it offers them some sort of talismanic benefit from having all when these the things. When the Yale is also a, a magical creature. And the Yale is like, yeah, exactly. It's like a unicorn magical creature type of thing. So this dude went to where his dad was at Yale and he had two younger brothers, a sister. He had no vision in one eye, only partial vision in the other. So he had problems seeing more than two feet in front of him. And so he would he wasn't doing sports. And then he eventually went to after graduating from Phillips Academy Andover, he entered Harvard where he successfully took a BA in Magna come lot <laughs> and waters above is like magna come louder and i always whenever <laughs> I, I gotta i gotta i gotta bleep that out because that he's he always made me laugh whenever he said that but yeah he was that thing 
In classics and Sanskrit, 1954, he he completed his PhD in materials for the study of the transmission of Greek astrology to India. So he was an astrologer, and mind you, this is a guy from Harvard, a legitimate guy who is studying this. Right, his manuscripts lay, studies laid the foundation for his subsequent research based on his own editions of the material, much of which he had uncovered himself. So this guy was like revolutionizing the studying of manuscripts. He was he was an OG, bro. Pingree in turn, right? They gave him this name, Abdul Cade, the father of the comet, since his name resembled that of the pioneer in research of cometology. Alexander Guy Pingre from 17. So he was like in this club and they gave him a little nickname when he was in there. And uh, David saw no sharp distinction between astronomy and astrology or for that matter, magic, in which astrology often played a significant part and preferred to consider them together as a part of the exact science of the ancients. So rather he viewed each aspect of the science of the stars in respect to the community in which it arose and paid equal attention to the important and run-of-the-mill doctrines in each context. He amassed shoeboxes full of horoscopes and transcribed texts at a rate that far outran the pace at which they could be published just in order to get as full of a picture as possible on the subject. That sounds like me. You know, when you buy a book and you just keep buying the books and all your other books are staring at you, like, yo, are you ever going to pick this up? And you're just like, no, it's all right, bro. Like, I ran out of space on my bookshelf and I have a freaking book floor here. I got a whole bunch of books there, too. Osmosis. If you just, like, sleep next to them, it'll just kind of absorb. <laughs> okay, Manly through. P. Hall. All right. Okay, Manly Pial. So his addition to the Picatrix, which is was his major contribution to the history of magic. Sadly, his work on the related, it's called the, and I'll find the name here, the Al Nyawamis of Plato, known as the Liber Vacan Latin, never reached a completion. The Latin text was compared word for word with the Arabic text and included in typical fashion the extra or a, a Aberrant passages and all the extent manuscript, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so, we're going to be talking about it from the Latin perspective of the Latin text. And let me go here to the. You can go on, Thomas. I'll pull up here the page. So I was reading over Pingree's research, and he opens it up. and And if you are googling this, the best thing this to Google, other than Libra Vacay, is plato's hermetic book of the cow that's sort of the uh the, the one that you're probably going to be looking for and when he ties this back i love chronology so the way that pingree talks about the libra vacay or this this uh, hermetic book of the cow is that it kind of relates to this this ancient babylonian emperor what is it Nab nabonidus and that this guy came into power and he was deep into the occult he was so deep in the occult that he starts incorporating occult science into the state mythology. And he even tries making some waves. He was going to try and replace Marduk with Sin, the god of the moon, because of this mm -hmm. big sort of um, the story that he was trying to tell and, and convey through occult knowledge. So this is sort of one of the, the OGs of bringing part of the information that ends up much, much later in the Book of the Cow is this guy in this Babylonian, Sumerian aka phoenician sort of magic yep. and then you fast forward over this huge gap of time where there's not a lot of info and then what in the the ninth century the sabians 
they end up uh, proclaiming Hermes as their prophet. So here you've got this new idea of hermetic thought. Neoplatonism. Is, is the Neoplatonism. This is astral magic. And then the translation of those Sabians into Latin becomes the Picatrix. So yep. it's the same sort of concept. And then Pingree um, traces this to first getting cited by this guy, William of Alve in the, the 1220s. And then about 80 years later... Uh, in the 1300s, then it becomes the Picatrix. Mm -hmm. And all of these different books, the the Hermetic Book of the Cow and the Libra Vacay and the Picatrix and the many different variations, he claims they basically came from the actual Plato Book of Laws, Greater Book and the Smaller Book of Laws. And in the Greater Book of Laws, Plato talks about walking on water, causing the appearance and the shape of any shape you wish, so shape-shifting. Um, creating composite animals which are not found in the world. This is those beast theories where you just take like a lion and a bird and you mush them together and you get some kind of chimera, um, causing it to rain, causing um, causing it not to rain, making meteors, making stars, making lights appear in the sky, creating making women fart uncontrollably was also in there <laughs> making <too>. women <laughs> fart uncontrollably. Uh, what else? Walking in the air causing stars to rise dividing the sun and moon and then it also says causing sticks and ropes to appear as serpents and snakes which devour whatever they come across and and, and, and real quick thomas to to really i'm going to put up a, a a table here to illustrate the amount of text that there are of this so the libra vacay is really a an umbrella term. And this is from the abominable mixtures, the Libra Vacant, the medieval West, or the dangers and attractions of natural magic. And this is one of the OGs, Maik van der Lugget. And this is a table on the Latin manuscripts of the Libra Vacant. There's one, there's five here, six, seven, eight, nine, 14. Then there is Latin and Middle Ages. You have all these here, right? So there's at least. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. And the thing is that they piggyback off each other. So some are more complete than others, right? So th this is the guy that you were talking about, William of Avergine. I've heard it. I've heard it said before. I don't know how to say Avergine, Avergine, Avergine. Willie, Willie A. Willie. Thanks, Willie. Thanks, Bill. Thanks. Oh, it would be weird too, like if the older version that he copied from, right, and then his version all of a sudden has more detail so, than the version that he copied it from, and I feel like that's yeah. what happens a lot. <laughs> oh, thanks, Chad GPT, right? And then look at this title: Liber Vacate, but then Liber Namik, Naumuk, Nanuth. So it, it changes. It doesn't and, just and look at that where it says before twelve forty six Legis Platonus. So that's again giving Plato credit. Vaca Platonis, Liber Quid, Dictor, Vacae, Platonis. So all these are names of the Liber Vacae. So imagine trying to find a copy of it, right? And, and it's not hard for these PhDs because they go here, right? This is the one, like this is the one that I got. Montepelier, right? Uh, Medicine 277. And let's see here. North, Northern Italy, probably Venice. So yeah, he, he actually used this. This one here too. I, I didn't even know that, but they go here and they'll they'll sit with the actual manuscript sometimes, right? And jo look, this, there's John D. John D. Oxford Bolidian Library, 
Bode Leon, Bode Leon, Digby 71. So, again, John D had a copy of, I think he had two actually. Was two. Anyways, point being, I want to show this to illustrate to people that it's not just one text, it's, it's quite a few, right? You have Munich CLM. And I've tried finding this. I'm not well versed in the manuscripts and the shelf marks and all this stuff. So if anyone can school me on that and send me copies of these, these are look Yale medical library, Oxford Christie. So a lot of these places have here. It is Ox Oxford Corpus Christi 125. And then right. The monks of St. Augustine Canterbury, the latter left it to the Abbey in the, at the beginning of the 14th century isn't that the um the do as thou wilt dudes right here no no no. so no that's not abby of Thelema, bro that's right we have later in john d's library so he did have two let me see here let me double check so this one this one the corpus christi 125 was in john d's library and then there was another one right here yeah so he had two different copies interesting he couldn't he couldn't just have one homunculus he had to have two bro Got to catch them all. Got to catch them all. So just to to illustrate to people that it's it's not just one text. So you're not going to find it on on Amazon Kindle, okay? <laughs> you got to do a little bit of digging before you're able to find it. But, yeah, so this Pingree guy, he really breaks it down. And now you're talking about this Nabo, Nabonidus guy. He dreamed that Marduk ordered him to rebuild a Hulu. The Temple of Sin, the God of the Moon, a Haran. And so we have Pico della Marandola. He mentions, and he quotes it here, the books of Plato concerning the cow, which the Magi caused to circulate, uh, dot, 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 filled with execrable dreams and figments. So, and, and execrable there, it means something worthy of being excreted out. So that's like a derogatory term. Really? Correct. Yeah, that's but, like that's like saying this is this isn't worth anything more than me it, crapping but, it out. But that's the, that's the thing. Who are they to determine that? Now, take this idea and really zoom out in history. And how many things in history have been omitted because of guys like this? And these aren't just any regular Joe Schmoes, right? Mirandola. After Marsilio Ficino, which I think Ficino also, or Ficino, however you want to say it, he also referenced something about the the Liber VK, right? One of the best known philosophers in the Renaissance, Marsilio Ficino or Ficino, also one at the forefront of reviving Neoplatonism during the Renaissance. So these aren't just any regular guys, right? They're actual like influential people who were coming across these works. And so, yeah, I have a couple of notes here. You can continue, bro. Well, he might call it execrable because of the content too. Like, like it's almost self-referential because if you read into the Libra Vecchia, that's some of the um, the recipes call for excrement. So, it, <laughs> it might be something of like saying, like, "Hey, you're about to get into something that's going to be darker than you're expecting." And then I wanted to, to follow up too that the that list of magical properties and, and special abilities, those are the same things that they end up ascribing to these homunculi 
that you grind down and you turn them into ointments or you turn them into mm-hmm. little powders and stuff. All of those things that are listed out in the greater book of laws by Plato is what eventually get, um, you know, attributed to these little homunculi and yes, the original the book of, of th- that's the same things, although it would predate. Right. Yeah. And then some of the, the greater book of laws also mentions how you do this. And it mentions three particular ingredients uh, are like steps. One of them is the effects of images, right? The logos, the the visuals. And if I'm taking this to the mystery school, imagine you sit someone down in the big auditorium. This is like wowing them with the visuals. Yeah. Then it says the employment of spiritual powers. Let's talk about mushrooms again, right? So Shut this up, is Thomas. this is bringing it in, and then the implanting of powers in motionless forms, mm. which consist of elemental substances. So they become moving spiritual forms, producing marvelous, marvelous effects and actions which you're not familiar. And this is something that goes back into, I think, Plato's um, Book of Law number 10, which is his last uh, work, I think, and his longest work. And Book 10 breaks down these different types of soul, but he kind of defines a soul as anything that can make <laughs> something move. Um, so they Motion. use this motion so they use this sort of rationality of well the planets are moving so Mm -hmm. the planets each have to have souls and the planets are big so it must be like big god souls i mean i'm oversimplifying that yeah they're saying if that's the same concept then why couldn't we take an motion and anything that moves on the earth if i can make an inanimate object move then technically i've just given it some sort of a soul Mm -hmm. and i i wonder on a on a tangent Maybe this is why some of those alchemists in the Middle Ages were so against magnets. Because if you use the magnet to move something that wasn't moving before, it would almost feel like you were giving it some kind of a soul or that you were playing with soul if you understood motion as the spiritual power. Nice. That really perks my nipples up, Thomas. And keep that in mind, bro. Keeping the magnetism, keep that in mind. Because I have here, so real quick. Neoplatonism, version of Platonic philosophy that emerged in the 3rd century AD against the background of Hellenistic philosophy and religion. Now, uh, the term does not encapsulate a set of ideas as much as a series of thinkers. Among the common ideas it maintains is monism, the doctrine that all of reality can be derived from a single principle, the one. So Neoplatonists are emanationists. What emanationists are, again, Plato is the one that talked about the Demiurge. They believe that the source, one, the monad, God, emanates reality outward. You have the upper eons, you have the lower eons. The upper eons is a more metaphysical, astral light, watery light, what they call it. The lower eons that was created by Yaldabaoth, the Demiurge, is the material world. And that cosmology, the Gnostic cosmology, because again, this is third century. Gnostics were first, second century, so that's where they got their ideas predating christians by the way okay these are the guys that are underground christianity they paved the way for what later became christianity that's again if you believe mainstream history okay let's just keep that in mind but they (laughs) believe that at the center of it all was this godhead and whatever you observe in your reality is an emanation of that god of that godhead so We have here, they have Thomas Aquinas, Christian philosopher and theologian Thomas Aquinas, had direct access to the works of Procus, Simplicus of 
Cilicia and Pseudo Dionysus, et cetera, et cetera. And so the German mystic, Mr. Eckhart, was also influenced by Neoplatonism, propagating a contemplative way of life which points to the Godhead beyond the nameable God. And so Neoplatonism also had a strong influence on the perennial philosophy of the Italian Italian Renaissance thinkers Marsilio Ficino, Pico della Mirandola, and continues through the 19th century universalism and modern day spirituality and non-dualism. But, right, so we have this idea of Neoplatonic thought that they're trying to imitate a god, right? Talking about in, in Gnostic cosmology, it's about the soul, right? Through Gnosis, you're able to ascend to the upper eons. You had the Cathars, you had the Bogomils, you had all these groups that were Gnostic who had really weird ideas about the soul. So, this astro magic is based on the Neoplatonic cosmology, astrology, and Horanian worship of the planets. So, what you were talking about, right? You're able to tap into these planet these planet energies and it's derived from right theurgy which means divine working the first recorded use of the term is found in the mid-century mid-second century neoplatonist work of the chaldean oracles right in philosophy the late neoplatonist especially iamblichus and in neoplatonism the spiritual universe is regarded as a series of emanations from the one you have the noose the mind the psyche the soul the psychosis is nature. There's different layers of, of reality, but theurgy, also known as divine magic, is one of the two major branches of the magical arts, and the other being practical magic, or thaumaturgy. And theurgy describes the ritual practices associated with the invocation or evocation of the, of the presence of one or more deities, called god forms, especially with the god of achieving henosis, etc., so invocation and evocation invocation i believe you're inviting them in inward invocate you are the vessel evocation you're manifesting and calling upon them okay so there's two different ways but theurgy that's what christians do when they pray that's what all the right again i was not a lot of people know thomas not a lot of people know but i was born in <laughs> <laughs> I was born and raised Pentecostal Christian. And so when they're doing all this jumping around and all this stuff, that comes from, the, that's theurgy. You're calling upon God to intervene in your reality, in your world. And this bleeds into the homunculus concept, okay, of wanting to invoke a spirit into this thing. So we have the worship of the planets. It seeks through rituals and part suggestive of the hermetic art of the vivif vivification of statues what does that mean that means to bring their ass to life to alive statues performed at astrologically propitious times to persuade the souls of the planet whom god had placed in charge of his material creation to send their subordinate spirits to occupy talismans Okay, now check this out, bro. This is this is where I was like, I put on here, Gabriel Daniel, is that you, buddy? These latter are thereby empowered to affect changes in this sublunar world. Right? You have you have the voyage to Cartesius, the world of Cartesius, 
wasn't Aristotle one of the one of the philosophers that they encountered in these in this other world? Yeah, it was like uh, like Bill and Ted going back and just meeting all of the experts, <laughs> like the greatest hits of all the it was. the greatest philosophers. You had Plato. I think Plato was one of them. There was like a whole different a whole bunch of them. So, and check this out, bro. And this is okay. This is okay because this is a non demonic form of magic. <laughs> that relies for its effectiveness on the powers granted by God to the planets and all those in, and on those inherent by nature in corporeal substances and in the magician's rational soul. So, right, in the Arabic version of the Libra Vacay is Katib al Nayawamis. That's the that's the book of the laws, right? And that's where the Libra Vacay really starts. You have Libra Anaguimus. Anaguemis. So there's a whole bunch of different names for it, like how I showed and, at the beginning. And we still have, even even today, in, uh, I don't know if this is outside the Catholic Church. Maybe, maybe you can tell me as an experienced Pentecostal, but the concept Not of holy water, holy water feels like a talisman, right? You're, you're channeling this essence of God and then putting it into this water. Yeah. And now you've got this convenient, you know, like portable... <laughs> portable god water with you all the time god particles yeah yeah it's, it, exactly bro i mean that's that's essentially what it is but it's okay because as long as you're not using outside forces for you know for the aid of creating that talisman and as long as it's whatever god feels like the, the goalposts move a little bit though like it used to be okay to pull the spirit of a planet into a little <laughs> you know stone figure and then the Ten Commandments come along, and they're like, "Yo, you guys got to stop doing all that." Yo, and you guys honestly, gotta, you gotta that that whole Ten Commandments was also getting rid of magic. Like if you if you reread the Ten Commandments, it's basically saying stop doing sex magic, stop doing nature magic, stop doing the hermetic principle of as above, so below. Here's the new rules. And what were they worshiping when Moses came down from that mountain with the commandments? A golden cow. So back to this cow symbolism, right? What have they had? Ooh, I think it was like a, like a, a Starte symbolism or something. Because there was two. There was two cows. Oh, there, there was? was? The male and the female. Oh, I don't know my Bible. Well, whatever. So, all right. But on that same time, the Horanians invented another form of magic based on quite different principles. And it gets in it starts to get interesting now, right? We've, we've gone through the idea that obviously there's a whole bunch of different names for this book. The Latin translation is also known as the Liber Institucionium. Institucionium. Institucionum Activarum. Liber Institucionum Activarum. And the Liber Vacay or the Book of the Cow, the title under which Pico de la Marandola referred to it. It is presumably called the Book of the Cow and in commemoration to the first experimentum, which we shall soon describe. And I mean, we we talked about that shoot in the in the first episode we ever did about it, but so we have right this this homunculus of Aristotelian biology. You had Neoplatonic thought. You had all the like you had the perfect storm that really birthed the idea of the homunculus after the fact, right? And then it just makes me wonder, right? Because you had the the Taoists who I, I believe they predate, they even predate this, bro. The Taoism, da so ancient Taoism. Let's see. 
Dallas. This is the little golden man homunculus. But yeah. this one this one wasn't necessarily anything outside of just meditation, right? This one didn't have any magical recipes or planetary alignment. No, so the roots of Taoism just had it. The roots of Taoism go back to at least fourth century BCE, bro. Damn, that's a long time ago. That predates this by quite a bit. But again, it wasn't as honed down, right? It wasn't as as refined. How you're saying it wasn't? There you go. Yeah, this little dude. It wasn't really refined. So we have. Do you have anything? So there still exists uh, the writing of this article. He talks about there's 12 manuscripts of Latin version, some complete, some containing just excerpts. Upon which my edition will be based on these. Uh, so the excerpts which Pingree talks about his edition is going to be based. He never got to finish it, which sucks. But the Latin was also rendered into Hebrew in the 14th in the 14th century. And of this this Hebrew translation, one copy exists in the Munich manuscript that also contains a Hebrew version of the Picatrix. So you have anything after that, bro, that you want to add? Uh, yeah, I mean, you left out your homeboy, uh, Jabir in Hayan, I or, guess is Jabir one of his Hayan. names. Where's he at? Oh, yeah. So through a Go ahead. So th- this is uh, Syria, early 10th century. But this guy stood out to me because he cites um, someone called Periphery. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, which he credits to a bunch of uh, books which have been lost in time. So you can actually find any of the books that... Jabir Ibn Hayyan actually referenced, but the, this guy Periphery, he source. was born... Trust me, bro. Yeah, source, trust me, bro. <laughs> but the guy that he was talking about that wrote all of these books that got lost, he was born and raised in, in Tyre during Roman rule. So he was right at the heart of the original Canaanite religion um, in, the, in like its main city of Tyre where Marduk actually like became a thing. Like This is like as OG as you can probably trace it back to. So it seems really interesting to me that this Jabir I Hayan guy, he ends up citing this guy that is raised in like the heart of the original city of, you know, this Phoenician ideas. Mm-hmm. And then he creates this book of putting together, which is getting into this weird area where it's like, yo, instead of just making little men or like little cows or bees, what if I made like a cow bee or like a lion bird or something? So he had what they would call artificial generation of irrational animals. Mm-hmm. So an irrational animal would be one that doesn't actually exist in nature already. So yeah. we're kind of talking about monsters at this point. No? Yeah, because yeah, there was a rational and irrational soul. So again, irrational being a chimera, rational being a copy of an animal that exists in nature according to again this platonic idea of souls have different levels and then it gets into can animals think or not think or whatever you know like the whole animalistic thing. i think we covered a little bit of that on the, the well th- this is this is aristotelian um soul magic rules now right mm-hmm. because yeah. um plants are for nutrition only and then animals can be sensitive to things, whereas plants can't. I mean, I don't think that any of this is actually uh, true in like a literal sense. This is the way that they classify um, levels of complexity of consciousness. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. And then to men, men had the ability to rationalize and have reason and logic. And that's what separated them in terms of their consciousness, at least, between plant, animal, and man. So those are like the building blocks of all of this magic that comes afterwards. And the reason why that makes sense is because the type of thing you're trying to create, the type of animal you're trying to create, it depends on the materials you're using and the type of consciousness you're trying to put inside of it. So it's, it's almost like a little mystery bag of, you know, if you use this kind of an egg, then you've already determined that your end result is going to have some kind of a specific property that wouldn't happen if you use a different type of egg. And I think this is where all that variety of homunculi come in way after mm-hmm. you know this this sort of um, book of putting together because the book of putting together is what like ninth century so there's there's a lot of opportunity for this work and the work of um, Hayan to get incorporated into later versions of the book of the cow into the picatrix so just like all those different versions you were showing someone's hand copying stuff over. Um, why wouldn't you copy like the other extra footnotes that this guy throws in? So mm-hmm. I think these become sort of, you know, merged together and mixed to where the book of putting together becomes, you know, merged directly into the book of the cow, the Libra vacay. Yeah. And that's 10th century. So the book of putting together scrapped to Jabir bin Hayyan. And I had somebody when I did the first ever homunculus thing on my end with Donut. I think a year ago now, I think it was October of last year. So almost a year, close to a year. And when I did that on there, there were people in the comments. Thought, oh, Jabir bin Hayyan was never associated with any homunculus creation. I'm like, bro, like it's literally you could read about it. How? And again, now some people argue it's pseudo Jabir or Gerber, Gerber, right? In Latin, because it changes because the the problem is that this dude had like 5,000 books, bro. They're like, this dude wouldn't have been able to do this in his lifetime if he even was able to come up with 5,000 works. So again, it comes back to this pseudo-Platonic, pseudo-Jabir, who knows, right? And so... Does it matter though? Does it matter if it's one guy or if it's a guy's name that represents him and a, a bunch of disciples that come after him to some people it does bro and when when you have i don't know why though it's not it's not him that's magic it's the information it's that would be no magic. so i'm not talking about i'm talking about like nationalism type of thing like oh my guy mm-hmm. you know i don't want my guy to be associated with that right i think it gets into like that whole religious thought nationalistic type of thing where like no i don't want my people associated with that so i think that's where that guy was coming from but Yo, listen, dude, don't shoot the messenger. I mean, I'm I'm reading about this stuff. So, and I believe Pingree is referencing here something, uh, some of the, uh, so he's in pseudo Magriti, Picatrix, I think it is. He's talking about according to Gaia, then the method of platonic magic is to implement spiritual powers, that is souls in material bodies so that they may move. For according to the genuine laws of Plato, so what you were mentioning, soul is, quote, is the cause of the change in all the motion for all things. By means of these earth, these newly ensouled forms or images, the magician can affect what he will. The actual effect will depend upon the type of soul that is implanted upon the type of material in which it is implanted. So how you're saying this idea of putting a soul into, I mean... Knights Templar, they're putting a soul into the head of John the Baptist. Again, Baphomet was a sort of homunculus, a sort of, right? I think they call it a, uh, 
a tariff, a teraphim, I think is the idea. If you have the head of a prophet, it prophesies it to you. I think that's the name of a teraphim or something like that. And so where we have here, at least in appearance, the heavenly bodies in the earth's atmosphere, or they are such miracles occur in the Old Testament. And it's talking about the idea of, right, the type of magic that is going to be demonstrated in this text, which he has been brilliantly analyzed by Krauss. And that was a guy I had to look up to. I didn't even know who he was. So Paul Krauss, he was an Arab, an Arabist, right? Born 1904, died 1944, was a Jewish Arabist born in Prague. I want to go to Prague. He is the author of a number of seminal works on the early Arabic philosophy with special focus on Arabic alchemy and chemistry. Some of his writings on this subject are still standard references, reference works in the field today. So this dude was like, bro, up there, dude. He was one of the OGs. And he worked with the, with the Atsis, right? So having been educated in Prague and Berlin, where he studied on the Julius Ruska, the rise of the Atsis in 1930s forced him to move to Paris. So scratch that. He didn't work with them. But the rise of those people in the 1930s forced him to move. Oh, he unalived himself apparently allegedly oh dude he got clinton bro oof okay <laughs> all right i've got informational lead to the arrest of hillary clinton <laughs> that that got interesting i didn't even read that part okay that's cool well that's not cool but anyways this text <laughs> he was again analyzed by kraus does indeed deal with the artificial generation of rational and irrational animals and right to imitate the demiurge in bringing about a union of soul and body. Uh, the Katib al-Tajmi teaches how to apply this principle of imitation to the artificial generation of plants, animals, and men, each of which is Aristotle's three soul types of plants by nutritive animals, by sensitive, and man by rational. So again... We have this idea. Jabir, on the other hand, justifies the possibility of creating irrational animals by studying the ancient theory of spontaneous generation. And then I quoted here where you have the hornets, the bees, there is a distinction. And then you have the dog's penis thrown on top in this translation. In the other translation, you beat it with the dog's penis. <laughs> but it's talking about the complexity of the souls. Is this like a shaken, not stirred kind of thing? Yeah. So it talks about the complexity of the of the souls of bees and and hornets, and how they believe that they could bring some. How you were mentioning at the beginning, how they could bring some right the hornets forth if it, it met a certain it met a certain criteria versus the bees, right? So they're getting into like the I guess the the geopolitics of souls of of bees and hornets or whatever it is i don't know it gets it gets really weird but my whole thing is all this bro to a cult a mushroom i mean i don't i don't know bro. i don't i'm not buying that but but i mean again if you have that list of like the 30 different versions right let's say that the very first one occults the mushroom and then the second guy that copies it he doesn't understand that it's occulting the mushroom so he like de-occults it into something else and then the third guy de-occults it and then before you know it, you're hitting cows with, you know, dog ticks and <laughs> jerking off into piles of manure and then hoping that you're going to have a new buddy in the morning. I, I, I mean, I feel like just as any other rational explanation of any of this, 
the mushroom thing makes just as much sense as as most of the other ones. And the the Jabir guy, I feel like he might have tapped into something. Like he understood this on a different level than other people before him. Yeah. And I believe he's also the one that claimed to be the one that knew how to do it the right way. That everybody else was making demons and they didn't yeah. even realize it. And he had the the real formula. And I and I got a, a quote here, which I was talking about before. This one this part blew my mind. It might not be as interesting to other people, but he says that the creation of this this spontaneous generation relies on the insertion of a clay image of the creature to be created, <sighs> whether animal, human, chimera, into a sphere or nesting of hold spheres. On, hold on, hold on. Preferably made of glass. This is I've termed this the homunctisery machine okay it's the and it's funny because when i heard when i heard mine unveiled go over that part the homunculus rotisserie machine i was like yo that was that, that was my part of the notes <laughs> like when i heard on the video when i heard him say but yeah i've i've recoined it to the homunctisery machine because he had like I'm thinking, I think, what is it, an astro? Is it an astrolabe? Is that the thing that's like the spheres? Astrolabe. Yeah, it, lo- it looks like one of those little, like, NASA gravity uh, gyros that they throw you in. So it's called a armillary sphere. And that's what I think about when I think of this, you know, they have the mold. So it's a mold, and then on the outside, right, it has the, the spheres. And what it's, right, it's going to trigger some flat earthers here. But... It, it's supposed to, again, it's that movement, that motion that's supposed to bring forth this change. And it'll, it, it promotes the movement of a soul into this cast that they were, that they were putting in there. Because again, go, if, you, if you're following the platonic laws, motion, right, and the souls and everything, that's what they were going after. But yeah, it's the, the homunctisery. We should probably get, we should make a, 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 a graphic of that, bro. I think that'd be fun. I think we need a full-on infomercial. This is the Jabirian like, homunculus. Ronco. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> the Jabirian um, homunculus rotisserie machine. But but this Jabir guy, um, after he discusses all this, he says, so here's one of his recipes, which is a little bit wacky, but you take an, an artificial generation of a snake. So you take an actual rational animal, he minces it, sprinkles it with the ash of an oak, and buries it in the ground for eighteen. Yeah, Salt Bay buries it in the ground for eighteen Alchemist days. Alchemist Bay, and <laughs> we need that. There's the cliff, <laughs> and that um, after after he buries it in the ground for eighteen days, when you you dig it back up, it's supposed to be transformed into another type of a serpent. But this is an artificial rational serpent so now you can take the artificial rational serpent and mix that with uh we're gonna say human seed oil and uh grape juice and the and the bladder of a cat and then that is what turns this into this little humanoid body but at this point it's now a demonic spirit too bad this is grape drink you know (laughs) and this is this is jabir telling you that the reason why this happens is because it was copied from one of these profane texts mm-hmm. and that they were using knowledge of blasphemers and that they, they were worship the devil. Okay. Those but are devil his version, Yeah. His homunculi weren't evil. He had the good ones. We have the democratic homunculus homunculi. Okay. Those Republican homunculi, right? 
<laughs> are the bad ones. So we don't want those homunculi around these parts, okay? So again, back to this tribal dualistic ideology. I mean, it, it even went back then in the magical circles. They're like, yo, these dudes, they're worshiping the devil over there. We don't want those people. But yeah, dude, this is the guy who talked about, right? The human body entered into by a demonic spirit. It is awesome. And also, Pingree was the guy who called the homunculus an artificial demon. Okay, so this is the guy that called it an artificial demonic creation. So, and I think it was Lynn Thorndike who also, I think that's his name, Lynn Thorndike. He also was one of the ones that left out a whole bunch of stuff that he didn't want to put in it because he called it too, too vulgar. Okay, to to put it in his, in his encyclopedia, I think it was an encyclopedia, like this huge work. So there was another note that I was reading over. I can't remember the exact source of it, but they were trying mm -hmm. to make a um, comparison between a demon and a daemon, uh, you know, D-E-M-O-N yeah. versus D-A-E-M-O-N. And it was almost as if the demon was closer to that evil entity spirit yeah. that everyone hears about, but a daemon was more of just like a neutral spirit that just went and did its own thing. Sure. And you didn't necessarily have any good or bad or, or karmic uh, sort of repercussions from it. Yeah. Yeah, no, sure. What, what, what part of that? Where, where are you at on there? I know I saw I, I don't. Rem I don't remember where, where this one was from. I don't know if it was from Pengree's or, or another one. But there were there was an explanation between delineation of the evil homunculi versus <laughs> the non-evil homunculi and it just reminded me too of like um not just ai but modern computing yeah usually these background process they're called daemons yeah. like on a, on a linux operating system it's called a little daemon it's this thing that's just like constantly happening in the background and emails too and this reminded me of the concept of crowley saying that you've just got these Daemons just kind of wandering around in the desert, just running their thing 24 hours. That almost sounds like these background runner jobs that are just like always ready to grow. Yeah. They're, they're always ready to, to rumble. And so let's see here. They then start getting into different parts of the animal and what they do. So they can empower move the souls of the celestial bodies placed in the psychic magic on an equal level with the astral magic. So let me find the part here. It, it, so it's now you have Galenic or Galen's physiology and it gets into which part of the, an animal's body, which part or function of its, of its soul resides. And we have here, of course, Aristotle had already stated that the nutritive and sensitive souls are inherent in semen while the soul, the noose, enters it from the outside, it is presumably this feature of semen that justifies its frequent use in the creating of artificial animals. So this Aristotelian biological idea of that the semen was this, this nectar of the gods, if you will, right? And it was it had all it had this power, Thomas. If I'm able to you know, blow my load and create a, a person with me, you know, with me and my significant other. Let's You're supposed to eat mango first if you really want it to be like a nectar. Let's start experimenting. And they had wombs within wombs. So 
the cow carcass inside of a house, there was two wombs there. The first one being the cow, the second one being the house, right? So it's like, let's get, let's get physical, physical. And they started to just really mix it in and start to get creative with how they were creating these humanoid things. And then they were like, okay, well, according to Galen, <laughs> right? Uh, this thing is located in the heart. So if I take the heart of this thing and then, you know, others say that the soul's in the chest and Plato's in the Timaeus locates the, he's got Greek writing here in the head and blank in the chest and blank in the navel. So they're trying to find where the soul is at too, on top of all that. And moreover, the book of the cow assumes that one's an, that one animal's organ of sense or of motion will transfer its Greek word to another animal when properly applied. And let me copy and paste this word into a translator. Hold up. And and the um the, the section directly after that, I think if this starts getting into the the metaphorical aspect. So it says Galen discusses the relation of these theories to the soul of the three common adjectives. So when Galen talks about it, it's brainless, heartless, gutless. But when it's when Plato's talking about the, the tripart soul, he says thoughtless, cowardly, and lacking sensation, which you could almost correlate those three to the next three. And then mm -hmm. the book of the cow has this uh, symbolism where they're talking about the heart being the sensitive soul yep. and the guts, especially the gallbladder. Before we're talking about the cat's gallbladder, that one represents the nutritive soul. Or you might equate that to the plants where only plants are nutritive. And that finally the um the the brain, right? That was the other type of soul, was the rational soul. So the brain might represent that higher level of thinking. Mm -hmm. Like okay. it might not have to be actual, you know, body parts. Yeah, yeah. So and we have here and, and that word was power. So if we plug that in here, moreover, the book of the cow assumes that one one animal's organ of sense or of motion will transfer its power to another animal when properly applied. Why do you think they do that? Why do you think a writer would use the original Greek word for power in the middle of an English sentence? Why because, not just put the word power in there? Is, that a, is it a flex? No, well, I, I personally think it's a flex, but also that it has multiple meanings. So it can mean power, potential, or ability. And it is central to the Aristotelian idea of potential and actuality so i think they put it in there you can interpret it how you will i guess i mean it's it's really up to you i don't think he's trying to flex dunamis so this is this is the word in the in the pingu the hermetic book of the cow article and it's a greek philosophical concept meaning power potential or ability and is a central versatile idea of potentiality and actuality so I think that's why they do it because so people don't mistranslate it. I don't know. And that's the, that's the other thing. It's, it's a cosmic phone, a, a cosmic game of telephone. And so we have, they talk about the infamous cow experiment, right? Take the, the, the Yui or the cow and insert the mixture into her room, plug it up, right? Her vagina with the sunstone, the genitals of the you or the cow, or then smeared with the blood of the other. 
And this is the... I like how, I like how you just rush. Now, at this point, you just kind of, like, rush over it. We've because we've talked about it. So many, yeah. We've talked about it so many times, bro. Like, yeah, you know, you do the, the, the cow, ah, you the uterus, the vagina, the you, semen. Hey, the... you have a newborn humanoid. He's kept in a large glass or lead vessel for three days so that it becomes exceedingly hungry. It is then fed for seven days on its mother's blood and develops into a, a complete animal with which other marvels can be performed. For instance, it can be placed on a white cloth with a mirror in its hand and self-fumigated with previously mentioned powder mixed with, with human blood. Then the moon will appear to be full on the last day of the month where it can be decapitated and its blood collected. If the blood is given to a man to drink, he will assume the form of a bovine or a sheep. But if he is anointed with it, he will have the form of an ape. Finally, if the man, if the animal is fed for forty days on the diet of the blood, milk, and semen, and then its guts are extracted from its belly and rubbed on someone's hands and feet, he may walk on water or transverse the di- the diameters of the earth in a winking of an eye. Let me write down this timestamp because I just dropped. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, I'm thinking the same thing. You're gonna make this uh, a lot of work to put back on YouTube, aren't you? Yeah, but you know what? I mean. This also feels like something that you'd have to do once you got onto a uh, little St. James and Epstein shows up and he's like, all right, here's the ointment. We're going to have to rub this on your stomach. We're going to have to rub it on your back. <laughs> Again, Epstein, come on, man. You know, like we're do- we're making another homunculus, bro. It's what, it's what the, the book of the cow says, man. It's whatever Plato wants today, okay? Yo, so you have a way of extracting the the transcribing the episode yeah all right cool yeah just send me that whatever you're using because i canceled my subscription for mine so i'm gonna need uh to transcribe and then we'll just go to the timestamps and pull it so that way we can we'll use our, our decoder ring yeah we'll, we'll no i'll just bleep it out i think if we bleep it out we're good we're not showing anything on screen you know it's so lame to to be able to talk about these things on youtube without getting pinged because that's what i'm, I'm just gonna say like grape juice and that's gonna be the the sanguine yeah the grape the, drank the, the grape drank that so, red stuff yeah so send me that after the show so we so i can when I when I go to edit the the censored version for YouTube, so if you're listening to this on YouTube, head over to Rumble or head over to the RSS feed. And this is why it's important. Podcasts are super important because they're uncensored until further notice. They're completely uncensored, so you get the full experience in your nice little ear holes when you go into the RSS feed, and you can listen to me and Thomas talk about all the dog dicks and everything that you want. And, so there's their time code right yeah there, there you go without having to constantly be stopping and <laughs> and i don't want to self censor either i think it's stupid right i want to be i'm a grown man i can say whatever i want but i think there's a happy medium too because just like the alchemists man you know that they, they couldn't just straight up write all yeah. of the recipes in there you this is what it felt like or... to be them this is exactly We're... what it felt like we're basically alchemists. I mean, there's there's no two ways about it. Yeah. So, the rational animal that the magician has thus artificially created is, and I'm quoting Pingree, I believe a demon. It is for this reason that one can so readily kill it. It is for this reason it seems that Jabir condemned the Katib, Katib al-Nawamis and it is for this reason that the animal, if kept alive for a year, can tell one of all things beyond one's perceptions. So, this when I read that, that 
that makes me think of AI constantly about the don't let a homunculus live for more than a year or if you let it live for a year it becomes this unwieldy thing it kind of feels like that's the that's the Skynet Terminator philosophy mm-hmm. that if mm-hmm. you let AI just be unbridled it'll basically you know we get that point of singularity and then it you know it surpasses us before we even realize it and that's kind of what they're describing here about these Paracelsian monsters. And you know what's the saddest part of all this, Thomas? That I can recite the recipe on how to create a homunculus without having to read it, bro. <laughs> from how many times I've looked over this, bro, I can I can recite it from memory. So But how many times have you tried the recipe? No, none. None. And I don't think I'm going to try it, bro. So, in the next chapter of the Book of the Cow, it describes the artificial generation of another rational animal by essentially the same means, except this time the womb is provided by a female ape. And this is your favorite here, Thomas. Her offspring, after undergoing appropriate manipulation, appears in the form of a one-legged man. And it also seems to be a demon. So he throws in that, that demonic part at the end, like, yeah, and that's also a demon, bro. So... You use its eyes and you rub it on your own to see spirits and demons. I'm wondering if I can, if I got a picture of one of those little one-legged dudes since we're talking about it right now. So since the powers of the organs of sense of this artificial animal enable the magician to hear, to see, to hear, and to talk to demons, the original possessor of those organs must himself have been a demon. So we have Pingree here solidifying. There you go. Here's some versions of it. There's the single-footed man. Uh, these are Cyclops dudes. Hold on. And then we've got... Here's a bunch of different Paracelsian monsters. Now, the first half... One-footed man? Of the of the Libra Vake, right? The Kitab al-Nawamis is about this artificial creation of these rational, rational animals. But there's also other experimenta that are described in this text that illustrate the correctness sorry I'm, I'm reading off of here uh, of our method of interpreting at least one element of psychic magic so you have this whole section now the, the, the there's a major and a minor part and the way I heard it put was that one part was written first and then they tagged on the second part right the author on one of the translations talks about how the minor part is more exoteric more evolutionary magical type of thing where it's like fun jokes right a lamp that never turns off a candle that never extinguishes like all these different things that they're putting out there and then there's the more esoteric occulted experimental which is the more of the creating the humanoid type of thing so we have here the there are other experiments to cause a person to lose his reason and fall down in an epileptic fit one makes him enter a house in which there is an image of Satan wearing a crown made out of the gold bladder of a fish. That's an interesting visual. There is also another one where they could see. All right, so right here, they have parts of man's soul to endow a tree with the imaginations to bow down before him. The magician so fumigates it with the brain of the vulture mixed with the bones of a black snake and a man. A black snake, etc., etc. He talked about it was demonic, and then 
Here he talks about a concoction made of the gallbladder of a black crow with the brain, guts, and palate. Or to see the demons or the devil himself, the magus bathed in an alcohol distilled from the smoke of the subfumigated subfumigation consisting of the gallbladder or a crane. So it gets into all these different concoctions that you can make. You make a, a, a chicken eat parts of it, and then that then you have to do stuff to the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I'm reading this stuff, and it's and you read it and you're like, oh, this sounds pretty gruesome. Like you're taking yeah. all these different parts of animals and you're making this thing eat this thing. And then you like yeah. mince that up and you bury that. But if you were to take one of these guys that was, you know, supposedly doing this in real life and you brought them to like a McDonald's chicken nugget factory <laughs> and you showed them how the pink was created don't you think they'd be like wow that's demonic like that's you know what i mean that's disgusting i would never do that i'm gonna go back over here to my fish gallbladders and my my pig hearts and just you know that seems more healthy to me yeah so i don't have anything else after that the rest is just he sums it up with a an excerpt from the picatrix i believe it is and for those that want to learn more, if you really want to subject yourself to this, we have obviously the Libra Vacate translation that mine and Vale and I worked on, which is from that H277 or 227, I believe. And then we have Pathways into the Study of the Ancient Sciences, Selected Essays by David Pingree. Yeah, uh, share my screen real quick. We have... There you go. That, this that's, is... that's the one... So this is this is um, a journal that gets put out, but this particular issue, fourth issue um, on this transaction, the American Philosophical Society, this is the one that includes these selected essays by David Pingree. And if you want to find it for yourself and read it, if you look it up on archive.org, there is um, this version by I believe his wife Isabel Pingree that um, basically put together the same his daughter that makes more sense and puts this together all of um all of the different essays that are, were included in this they are basically compiled here and the one that we were looking over is this plato's hermetic book of the cow which starts on page 400 and something 463 yeah so and this is the best one that i've found without going and having to translate a bunch of stuff yourself if you want to know about some of the uh the more interesting there's better ones bro there are there's better ones this one i liked the best so far just because he started with marduk and he starts talking about the sumerian the babylonians and i just love the the chronological approach to stuff yeah so this was the one that i really liked another one that is really good is this one here so this is from artificial demons and miracles and it is in the this is French, I think. The artificial demons and miracles, res orientales, I guess, and it's demons of the Orient. Yeah, something. And and dude, this one gets into everything. So it has the original text and then the translation of all the experiments in the Liber Vacay. So you have experiment one through forty six and all these are different experiments uh at you know and it tells you what it does so when you enter into the house you will see the sun at night as if it were daytime the assembly of those who worship the sun and who extol themselves in the name of the prophets etc etc 
There's one here that talks about how or here when you wish to make a house which you see to be like fire with like a fire which flames up so that all who see it flee in fear that they may be burned by it. And when the sun enters, you will see a great fire in which it is excited and moved about till all men are afraid. So it's talking about like a house on fire. Really weird. But yeah, he provides the original translation, the original text. And then the translation. It looks like Isabel Pingree was his wife. I was. I know he has. Yes, I believe so. he has one daughter. I think he had one daughter. I think is what it was. That would be kind of cool to try and maybe hunt down one of his uh, his relatives and and see if they got any more info. Because it sounds like this guy was working on something pretty important um, while he passed, and I wonder who. Look at the abstract uh, too. The most who picks up the baton. The most flagrantly demonic of Arabic books, attributed to Plato. Now, is that real Plato or is that pseudo-Plato? Pseudo-Plato. It's attributed to Plato, but it's pseudo-Plato. So, Book of the Cow, Gayat al-Hakim, Quran, Hermes, Oyan, Abik, Shark, Jabir bin Hayyank, Kitab al-Nawamis. That's the name of the... And you have all the different names for it. Now, another one, too, that's really good. So, we have the Abominable Mixtures, the Libra Vacay, and the Medieval ages or times and then you have magic in the cloister i've reached out to her to come on this researcher sophie page and this book goes hard bro she's got all the experiments on here too and oh i want to just i'm curious what else are you looking to find out about the book of the cow and the libra vacay like is there is it do you just want to read every single translation possible? Do you think that there's something hidden that hasn't been revealed yet? Do you just really like talking about dog dicks and cow carcasses? Or Let me write like, this timestamp the... <laughs> time down. No, I I think it's really interesting. I mean, the the idea that what it what was this real? Could it be real? And now with, with everything that's coming out, you can kind of see that it there is a possibility for these things to exist. Now, it just makes me wonder if if reality back then was different, if the times were different. What was different that these guys believed that they could either tap into these things or create these things, or if it was just some elaborate hoax, right? How alchemy and me being me right i like to study i've always liked to study history i've always liked to think about history and the fact that these things exist that there was a whole era of alchemy in our history that was that came right before right the 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 guys that created out chemistry were in this invisible college right like the guys that were taught that we're talking about these secret societies now we're the ones that brought us chemistry. It's like there's something there that perhaps got diluted or lost with time. You know what I mean? Like that's what I find the most interesting about all of this. And then when you get into the occult where it's like this magical thought, I'm still on the fence as to is it all BS or is it not? And even till this day, bro, I can't 100% rule out the, the homunculus because it's linked to 
a lot of other things in history. You Are you just I mean? hoping to find an expert that's like, no, actually, 100%, this is real, and then hook on to that? Oh, I don't know if that expert exists out Ping, there. Pingree was talking about how it was just demons and stuff. That's supernatural. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's a, a metaphysical... And yeah, but was, did he also believe it? Or was he just saying that that's the translation for it and that the way that it would be interpreted, that those would have been demonic? Or do you think he actually thought that they were conjuring demons in in reality i would i would love to ask him bro yeah Yeah, i would love to ask him but yeah this is another one that that's good here sophie page medieval views and the creation generation so check out this table of contents so magic in the cloister and then pious motives illicit interest and occult approaches to the medieval universe and check out this bro check out this fire table of contents Check this. Yo, check this out. Check this out. Check. The monks and their magic texts at St. Augustine's Abbey, Canterbury. Natural magic, the basilisk and the lodestone. The Liber Vacay, magical uses of monstrous creations. Image magic, harnessing power in the harmonious universe. The Liber Essentia Spirita, magic revelation, etc., etc. Ars no, no, norori, Notoria. Notoria? And its monastic audience got John D's St. Augustine manuscripts and Renaissance magic. So this is also a really good one. If you want to learn more about the homunculus phenomenon and what else? Stick we... a little magic in your cloister. Oh yeah. A little magic in your, this is another, this Sabians and Haran of classical tradition. So he wrote a whole bunch of stuff and right. This being the occult book club, I have to plug the books that, we use but i don't know man i i just enjoy talking about it and as one of the last living homologists i think that i have to i wouldn't i wouldn't go and say that i'm carrying the torch but because there are other actual i'm not a scholar i don't have a phd in occultism or anything but i just want to put this out there though if you f- if you were to just go and hit a cow somewhere with a dog penis that would make you more of an alchemist than almost any modern, you know, academic that went to Yale or Harvard. Yo, what's the name of that book that you put up? The the one with the uh, this one was uh, Persephone's Quest. Oh, by... Hold up there. Can you type that in the chat and then just so I can copy and paste it? No. Okay. Thanks, Thomas. Persephone's Quest by Robert Gordon Wasson. And man, we, we got to cover some of Robert Gordon Wasson's work eventually. How do you spell for one here Persephone's? Road, Road to Ulysses. P-E-R-S-E-P-H-O-N-E. Whatever. Anyways, they can see it there. As somebody asked. So. Persephone's me, Quest. I got to yeah. find a copy of that. I don't Highly have a recommended. Copy. I don't have a copy of that, so I need to find this a copy. This is the one, too. This, this one was written um, in part by Albert Hoffman. Bicycle Day Guy. Nice. So, Thomas, this went a lot longer than I anticipated. You were like, let's do it in 90 minutes. Let's do 90 minutes, bro. We're yeah, Juan, Juan can definitely do a show on homunculus in, <laughs> in just 90 minutes. I totally believe that. <laughs> no, no. So I've done a show on homunculus one hour, bro. I've done, I've done a one hour episode on homunculus. It's pr- and it's probably killing you, all the stuff that you left out. Bro, I was like... His he only does one hour episodes. I'm like, you can't even do you can't even 
scratch the surface in one hour. We need to do nine hours. <laughs> we need to, yeah, we need to do, yeah, when mine and Bill was like, I was like, yo, so what's up, bro? How long is the video? I thought he was kidding. He's like, it's 10 hours. I'm like, what? Well, I was like, yo, for real, how long is it? He's like, dude, it's 10 hours. I'm like, bro. And he added a lot of stuff in there too that was really interesting and related it to the old world and all that. So again, he was doing his own thing, which is cool. But yeah, it was just really awesome going and, and seeing which parts I had helped him with and him really being able to flesh it out because he gets into the nitty gritty. And I read the, the original script and I also watched the 10 hour video. So I got like a double dose of it. But yeah, two hours and 41 minutes in. Yeah, we couldn't do it in the 90 minutes, Thomas. Couldn't do it. But that's what we're here for, right? This is the long format. People enjoy this show. This is the Occult Book Club. And you, you want to add anything else, bro, before we get, before we get yeah, out? Yeah, that I'm, I am so hyped for the next book that we're going to cover. And uh, it's uh, it's on Juan. When what are we Juan covering? gets his act together. What are we covering? We're going to cover, uh, I hope we the next one that we air, 14, should be uh, Fritz Springmeier's the uh the manual on how to can uh how to man i'm, I'm botching the name because it's so damn long it's like <laughs> how to create an undetectable <laughs> illuminati mind control indentured servant youtube is gonna love that one i'm sure but yes yeah, that one's the- gonna we're gonna have to code that one because there, there's so much that we have to talk about that needs to make its way to youtube so we're gonna have the to, people I'm gonna come up with like on a little decoder ring. YouTube need to hear the knowledge of the homunculus. So that's what so they're this here comes for. up. This comes up often. Why? Why even put it to YouTube? Screw YouTube. No. Put it on Rumble. Put it on no. Rockfin because you got to get to the normies. You got to get to where the people are at. And not I my feel subscribers. They're not normies. Well, no, no, your scribes aren't normies. But I'm saying, like, you got to get the information out to this, the huge YouTubes, even if it's sent, you censor the hell out of it, uh, because that's where you're gonna, you're gonna sway people that never would have considered that before. If you're on Rumble and you're on Rockfan and you've got people that are already looking for this censored content, they're already in this weird niche where you're getting these occult book clubs suggested to you. We love you and you're in the right place. We're also trying to get to people that would never come across this information the same way. And I think you can only do that by appealing to those green checkmark YouTube videos. Just say it how it is, Thomas. There's no engagement on all these other platforms. Like, right, Rumble's cool, but it's a garbage ui i mean you know it's the user interface is garbage right youtube is the mainstream we gotta be right and, I, and how it, i always tell everyone you know this is alchemy okay what, podcasting content creation what works for me might not work for you thomas and vice versa but I, what i always tell people is no exposure is bad or no publicity is bad publicity right but obviously put out good stuff don't put out garbage but put out good stuff and don't pride yourself in getting kicked off the big platforms and kind of boasting about it like you're flexing because you got kicked off. It's like, you got to play ball. Resistance is futile, okay? So play ball and make it work because you're only hurting yourself if you get kicked off these bigger platforms, right? They're going to have the last laugh. So if you're on YouTube, censorship censorship sucks. Like, I've been pinged for stuff too. Like, it, it it's horrible. And we are these alchemists of antiquity who were writing in symbols, writing about the homunculus and putting in occulting these texts in medical journals and 
herbology and all these different things they were put because they were they were again they were afraid of the algorithmic daemons but back then guess what they would be unalived they would be burned at the stake nowadays you just get nuked from 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 youtube and you get a strike but same thing except a little less violent okay so that's why i always tell people if you're in content creation oh should i start because sometimes podcasters are like locked into one one mind view like they don't want to adapt like i'm a podcaster i'm not going to do video all right cool i mean have fun growing and and i'll do swap cast and i'll get big by that okay cool depend on other people to get your message out there it's like no you gotta you know put your presence out there and if it's good the people will come with that said everyone subscribe to paranoid americans youtube channel we're trying to get his numbers up i just hit 11k I'm, at, I'm just the, the little baby homunculus channel. I'm at 11007. I just hit 11,000 subscribers. So thank you to all those who are subscribed. Thank you for all those that listen to the show and the supporters. Right now we have some patrons tuning in. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Really means a lot to me. And we have an, a lot of new faces as of this week because I had a couple clips go viral. So I have a ton of new patrons that came on board welcome aboard to the to the homunk ship the the s what is it the 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 how do you name a ship the is it the ss homunk <laughs> is that what you would call it the, the the vessel homunk whatever anyways you get the point that's the that was the dad joke of the day but yeah subscribe to paranormal americans youtube channel subscribe to my channel if you're listening to this on the rss feed take two minutes to give us a five-star review leave a comment share with your friends all that stuff all that good stuff smash the like ring the bell ring join the, the patreon do all that create a homunculus do all that stuff anyways two hours almost three hours solid stuff and hey this is not gonna be the last time we're gonna talk about the homunculus people have to understand we're <laughs> always researching we're always connecting dots so this topic might come up again in the future i mean i've already done a ton of episodes with people on the homunculus and it's a really fascinating topic. So don't mind if I do, but yeah, well, and it, it's going to come up in the next book too, yeah, because yeah, book. dude, it was, yeah. it was right in there. Moonchild. Cause it plays into MK ultra. So it's at the, it's at the forefront. I've had, dude, I've had a bunch of people sending me the, the Willy Wonka trailer with the homunk in there right that little thing i've had a whole bunch it's of people... a it's 100 percent a homunculus there's no way that's not a homunculus inside the glass vessel listen dude i let people come to conclusions themselves i'm here to present the ideas all right if somebody sends me a homunculus picture i go hey you said it brother i ain't say it right i'm i'm just here to illuminate the way for you right I'm just here to open your eyes and people are seeing and they're hitting me up. And so, yeah, thank you for that. But I get some really weird DMS stuff that I probably wouldn't be proud of, but people are weird. You know, the, the people, (laughs) sometimes you and I are kind of degenerate, bro. But the people in the chat, when, when we premiere these episodes, bro, (laughs) the, the, the worst has been my, um, the people that I know through AI, because I'll get some really gnarly AI generated images from people just completely oh, unexpectedly in the middle of the day. The Juana Knights, bro. The Hamunk. The Hamunk army is strong. We're 11,000 deep. Thank you all. 
Yeah, make sure to check out ParanoidAmerican.com or TJOJP for the homunculus. The one, the only homunculus owner's manual. The one. Uh, well, how many plates are in there, bro? How many pieces of art in there? 100% exclusive uh, to them. I got to check. 33, I guess. It's 33 oh, that's pages. A weird co- that's a weird coincidence. That's a weird number, dude. 33 pages of homunculus. I even noticed that. Wow, 33. Wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it is. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I noticed that after I got my car. <laughs> I was like, this son of a bitch. You know, like I picked it. I'm like, this. <laughs> he did it again. Paranoid American <laughs> strikes again. So 33 pages of homunculus goodness love you all have a great night wherever you are stay safe love each other and we'll we'll leave you with the good old paranoid american hell yeah theme song here hold on there you go ready there you go he's a paranoid paranoid american and he's ranting about conspiracies again He's a paranoid, paranoid American And he's reading occult manuscripts again Alright everybody, have a good night. Catch you on the next one. <laughs> Peace.